0: Young and Old Show, 33 Young and Old Show, almost six o'clock, we're almost an hour late by two minutes, and guess who was here, ready to go, the old guy in the show, the radio socialist, how are you sir?
1: I'm good, I'm good, I'm really excited and looking forward to the Republican primary, it's going to be another bloodbath.
0: Where Trump wins because there's so many candidates.
1: Well, I want to go um, and ask you about the seven candidates so far. And I thought you, me- you were
0: asking me about the flying cars he wants to be the leader in. That's what I wanted you to say. I'm, uh, I'm unfortunately, very
1: supp- no. Um, so I want to ask you about the first guy. What's your opinion on Larry Hogan?
0: I think he's a, um, a very mediocre candidate uh, running in a very lefty State, I'll give him crudos for being a Republican president who wins in a, in Maryland, but that's the most Bush League political state of all fifty states. Well, maybe a, a, maybe Minnesota, <laughs> maybe maybe uh, Mississippi and Louisiana are more Bush League because that's real gangsterism over there. But Maryland too, Maryland gangsters, gun gun runners, uh, rum runners. Uh,
1: what do you think his chances are with like your average Republican? Zero. Really. Zero. Uh, He's I know about, a lot of like um
0: No, they can't be like if you're gonna start the like thing. I power
1: types really like him.
0: Well, guess what? They ain't going not only will he not run, he already said he wouldn't, but he doesn't stand a chance. The only people who stand a chance are the obvious. DeSantis, Trump. I believe that People are fed up. They realize the mistake they've made. They're they're having buyer's remorse big time because no one likes to be poor. People don't like to have struggle. And the rich guys don't like to have to hand in their daughter's Mercedes because their wife has one and he has one. So they don't like to take away the girl's Mercedes. So even rich people don't like having to count shekels.
1: And Yunkin?
0: I think Yunkin would probably get, I would say he's a 15% vote getter. Be, it would be a mistake for him to run. Uh, people per, will perceive him as a Bushite, and Trump will make him look out to be a Bushite. So uh, I, I personally like what he's doing. I don't like that I'm not getting any uh, headway with them about school choice because I'm not for school choice. I'm for the reinvention of the public school system. So I'm not getting any headway over there considering that he got elected by them by school choice parents and i have the same complaint with our present governor and our past governor
1: i feel like she's already kind of dead in the water but haley
0: i think she's looking to get 10 or 15 too because of so many candidates if she can get into the 11 10 15 range uh she'd be a good vice president because it'll be a great contrast between her and kamala in the debate and Trump's in it to win it, so he's gonna he's gonna modify. You couldn't you couldn't ask for a better candidate when he chose Pence, a total loyal vice president candidate, constantly promoting the Trump administration, and didn't even fare well with him, not for anything he did, but for Trump's belligerency. So Trump so Pence really can't win. He's got that Liz Cheney crowd supporting him. That ain't enough to win. Liz Cheney could really hurt Trump by running as a third party candidate and maybe siphon off just enough that Ross Perot did. I think she
1: could actually siphon off some Democrats. I think she could actually do Yeah, that. people
0: who hate Trump love her. Absolutely.
1: But even so, like I've met Democrats like upstate who saw um, Liz Cheney as more heroic than anyone in their side. Like they admired her more for going against her party and Trump.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the that's what's. If you hate Trump, you love her. It's that simple. There's nothing more than that. You hate Trump, you love her. But do you like?
1: I don't like either of them.
0: (laughs) No, but do you like poverty and lack of prosperity more than your hatred for Trump? That's that's the question the independents got to ask themselves. Do you really like what you're going through, or what you're going through, what you plan to go through? There's everybody's talking about oh. The economy just created $230,000, 200000 jobs because COVID money's running out and people are going back to work, okay, at lower pay than they had previously, and 126,000 people were laid off of the really high-paid guys, the Wall Street people, the people making 100 and up, 70 and up, 65,000 and up, not the minimum wage guy who's getting back to work, like I showed you in the videos, 126,000 Wall Street people saw it. The, rep- the formal report from one of your sources, the labor statistics source, uh, on Bloodburg, Bloomberg News. When Bloomberg I, had- I'm
1: really happy that you've learned how to use sources. I'm very proud of you. No, I don't like I'm using gonna you, I'm going to give you a gold sticker after class. Yeah, give
0: me a sticky, man, because... <laughs> and
1: finally, I want to ask, um, he's been going by many names, Little D, me De DeSantimonious... How do you feel about DeSantis? I'm,
0: I'm really, uh, I know him well enough to honestly want better times for him. I want him not to run. I, I don't think he has anything to prove when he can walk in in 2028. In fact, he can walk in in around 2027 when Trump just appoints him because he feels like it, vice president for the last year and go, here, take over. I'm done with these people. I'm out of here. I'm going back to Mar a Lago. Uh, Melania got sick all of a sudden and I don't want to be president anymore because, you know, Trump's like that. Once yeah. he wins again, he, ah,
1: know, If he wants to give it up.
0: Yeah, I can see him leave. I,
1: I hope that that happens. Like,
0: yeah, most, it, people, like, most people... I
1: would not mind, like, in real honesty, I would not mind Trump running again if he says that I plan to just wait out my turn and then I'll leave. Like, that'd be...
0: Well, for you to think that he was planning to stay is complete amateurism anybody who repeats such malarkey is ridiculous i mean we
1: know because he said it oh he has said it.
0: This well has okay. if you say that he said that okay fine we'll find a video that says that he said that but then you completely discard biden said we've created the most corrupt election system in history he didn't say he, it said said it.
1: he did not say corrupt
0: <laughs> what did he say you want me to find it
1: yeah, let's look it really, He did not say. Did I play?
0: Corru- did I you, play it for the audience many, many shows ago? Sure.
1: Yeah, you did. But he—that's why I know. Do I he, said, again? he did not say corrupt. He did not say corrupt.
0: No, of course not. Uh, he said uh, the most uh, keeping
1: honest on Blink ninety four point five radio. Uh,
0: you forced me to show keeping it. Keeping
1: honest. You're
0: going to see that if I was in context or you were in context, because he made it very. Uh, it sounded sound.
1: really weird how he said it. No, weird,
0: yeah, weird. No, I'm giving you That's that. like it your life. It weird.
1: It sounds weird. No, it sounds weird. It does. It sounds like, what's he saying here? It, it sounds dubious. It like sounds amen- uh, uh,
0: amen- I think it was election uh, manipul- <laughs> manipulated system, and that helps you? I mean,
1: Trump was already saying, like, we've gone over this a thousand times. Yeah, so why do you hold
0: Trump to those words with half of it is rhetoric, rhetorical stuff?
1: No, no, it's not rhetorical. But it doesn't apply in Biden. It's lies. I've held Biden up to lies that he has said in the past.
0: Trump is, all, uh, Trump, Trump is all lies. lies. You're and right. Biden, You're and Biden right. Is, you said Trump is
1: all lies. Okay. Yes. yes. I'm saying so. Yes.
0: Trump is all lies, but Biden is just occasional. That's the point. You interrupt me because you think I'm 38. I'm 58. I run circles around you. I've already gone through more election cycles. I already come with... Anti communist upbringing. I'm not talking about your parents' anti communist upbringing. I'm talking about my 70s, 60s, Cold War, deep Cold War upbringing. My parents, too, man. Okay, then. So.
1: Did you think your family was the only one who lost business in, like, Cuba? Well, guess I mean, like, what? I'm in Miami. Time out. You're not the only Time one. Time
0: out. <laughs> I didn't see, Notice. There he goes again with his projection. My family lost business plenty of businesses but they were grand folk they weren't my family my, my parents came here t- uh, 21 and 22 my and my brother my my dad at around 18 or 19 so yeah they didn't personally lose anything they lost their freedom that's a lot
1: see because my family actually lost their business
0: yeah we lost NBC my, my, radio. my
1: family lost their business well and- we lost
0: NBC radio so you know please that's a quite a quite a monumental business uh, because they're unique in nature.
1: But, but I, I was also going to say, probably because I'm Polish too, I think they had it a lot rougher.
0: Well, that's because they're Poles.
1: And then that was a straight up invasion.
0: Uh, yeah, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the hell was knocking on their door. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the good old man went there first. I don't want you to go there because I know that it's a big trap door and you, go, you no, want to go. No, I'm just saying, if you, play, if you want to talk about Germany,
1: if you want to play that game, we can. But I'm just letting you know. Just letting you know. Oh, so they're really going forward with these TikTok bans, which is... And you
2: guys did did it for our the President Obama's administration before
3: this. We have put together, I think, the most
0: extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Okay, so was I out of context or what? Did he say it or didn't he say it? He said it. And guess what? He's
1: He didn't say corrupt. He did not say the words corrupt, oh, which is what So I fraud not-
0: and corrupt I mean, well, 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 fraud and corrupt is not the same?
1: No, it's not. Oh because
0: see see that see that?
1: It, it's a really bad word worded statement that really batted like-
0: word statement. It's called transference of consciousness, like you'd say. I write.
1: He's saying, "Listen, he's Biden. He write, he Biden it. was making no sense throughout the entirety of that election. Remember, he's he,
0: not making sense even today. That I'll grant no, you. No, they got
1: him on the good cocktail right now. They got him on a good cocktail of drugs. But I remember that explains
0: he, why he goes to Delaware. He, I,
1: I think once he was trying to say that we've had the best fraud prevention." going yeah. for it. Because that was the big thing that they were saying is that this was the most secure election done today. That's what I think he was trying to say.
0: Good. Wishful thinking. Okay. No, but
1: I, I, I'm saying, you're right. It sounds weird. But he it did not It doesn't sound weird.
0: It is fraud. They rigged it. Because
1: they you don't let me saying, investigate the machines because I need the evidence to investigate the machines. If, so they don't let me have the machines if, because they have no investigation if, evidence to claim the
0: machines. No. I say... That the machines say one number, and a bunch of faulty ballots say the same number, and if you count the faulty ballots over and over again, there's still faulty but ballots. of
1: faulty numbers. You got to prove are the signatures. The when you- all of Trump's lawyers that he put together
0: for this never have got told the ballots him to abandon
1: it. They they've told him because to they can't
0: get the ballots because
1: there's no evidence. You can't. You the, the state circle, will not. You know what circular reasoning
0: is. Do you understand? You what just circular? did that for the You're last. You're doing that. You, you don't don't just, just did circular, circular reasoning. reasoning. You just put providing... what I think. What he said, I think that Biden what said. That's circular
1: he... reasoning. No, that's me being inferential.
0: <laughs> go ahead. Oh, you got the you got the airtime. I'm looking for something else. Here you go. The, um, so All I got right.
1: a news story right here from the Hill. Most view woke as a positive
0: term. And are we supposed to find that legitimate?
1: Uh, it's a USA Today poll records oh, that 56% a bit of agreed with the positive definition And 39% says it's negative Which pretty much rides along the numbers of how many people were supporting Trump And how many people were against Trump So I think this is just kind of the cutout between Republicans and non-Republicans It's kind of what we're sitting on here But it's really interesting because Republicans really rallied around the woke term They were really proud of it
0: Oh, uh, but uh, I believe it wasn't, it was coined by someone else.
1: No, it was on Black Twitter.
0: Black Twitter, and could you give us the origin? Because I know that sure. one of the um, candidates for president wrote a book called Woke. I mean, I didn't assume he named it, but he probably heard it on Black Twitter. So please give us the origin, that so, would be very cool. I mean...
1: Originally, the term had been around, said, stay woke. Apparently, interesting enough, it started with the abolitionist movement, in 1860.
0: So they, they 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 revitalized it, basically.
1: Yeah. Uh, it makes sense if it's like an Af- African-American liberation word that it would come from these circles. And it came around in resurgence after Michael Brown in 2014. Uh-huh. So that's when it kind of had a resurgence. Um, a little and, bit before. Give us a
0: context in which it was used. I mean... Uh, what ter- who were using the lefties were calling themselves that or what because it sure wasn't I don't think it would be a conservative calling lefties that I'm sure they just grabbed what they called them what they used themselves and they used I mean
1: it. apparently it's been going back um it seems like I'm briefly scanning the article here as we're talking so it's kind of um it's like wake up kind of comes from wake up Ethiopia and wake up Africa around 1923 which was advising for people to stay aware of the power structures against them.
0: Okay. All right. Okay. It's like
1: right here, um, someone from Vox writes it here, A.J. Romano, black Americans need to stay aware of racially motivated threats and the potential dangers of white America. And it was kind of around the 60s that this was slang by beatniks. So it kind of makes sense when like, you know, because I I kind of feel really was my generational awakening was the internet was is that a lot of stuff that you would like, you know, you would hear before on the media and people kind of brush it aside or you had, you know, well-to-do celebrities who had a really limited attitude of how much affected them. Because when you just had the op-ed pages, op-ed pages are people like us, you know, we're pretty, you know, we come from a pretty well-to-do background that we can afford to stay down and pursue this path. But what happened with the internet is that a lot of us are really exposed to problems that we wouldn't have otherwise been from people who we might not have otherwise encountered. Like, I can tell you from my experience growing up that I, I know people from India and what their hang-ups are about Modi or, you know... I can tell you all of the best jokes about other Latin American countries because of my time on the internet. So it's kind of interesting that the internet brought a resurgence of this term that's been... that's pretty old, actually. So I would say be woke is just be... kind of be aware of racism is what it seems like.
0: Okay, so...
1: Which conservatives at most, believe in race-blindness anti-racism. That the conservative solution to this is if you see, you know, a black man, a gay woman, or any such down the road, you're like, well, I don't see that. I'll see you as an individual, and hopefully you'll accomplish these things. And you'll prove yourself in the meritocracy. Which is kind of against what we would call quote-unquote, wokeness, right? Would you agree to that?
0: I won't agree with that. Yeah. I, know what I mean? I will agree to showing you, audience, the great Denise... De Souza? De Souza. He's going to explain to us the origins of fascism. As oh, I ar- trust
1: that. I trust that. He's he's such a snake. Yeah. He, he is such a great A Circular. Here
0: we go. The circular... What do you call it again? Circular rationalization? No, circular... Circular reasoning. Reasoning. Thank you.
4: You are afraid of ideas. You're not willing to engage with me. Yes, you're afraid of ideas. You're not afraid of fascists. You think I pose a threat to you? I'm an immigrant. I came to America with nothing. What threat do I pose to you? Hold on, don't shout at me. Don't shout at me. I'll be, no, you came voluntarily. Did I ask you to come? No, don't shout at me. I'm defending fascism. No, I'm exposing you as a fascist. Because, because...
0: At American University Student Rally for the Young America's Foundation.
4: Do you realize... uh, I'll tell you how. You asked me a question. Hold on. Are you familiar Are you familiar with the black shirts in Italy or the brown shirts in Germany? Do you realize that they would go to campuses, goons, and would stand in the back of the room, and when somebody tried to make an intelligent presentation and answer questions, they would shout them down, yell at them, try to intimidate them, and count as success if they could get the event canceled and the speaker threatened. But see, the problem is, sometimes you get speakers like me who are not scared of people like you. We recognize your frauds. <laughs> I recognize, I recognize that ultimately you are afraid of ideas. You're not willing to engage with me. Yes, you're afraid of ideas. You're not afraid of fascists. You think I pose a threat to you? I'm an immigrant. I came to America with nothing. What threat do I pose to you? You, you've
5: promoted dangerous, violent ideas that kill I propose
4: dangerous violence to kill people. Who have I killed? <laughs> capitalism. Do you realize? Do you realize that Hitler's deadly opponent was capitalism? If have you read the Nazi 25-point platform? Let me give you a few themes from it: state control of the banks. Do you support that? No. State control of healthcare. Do you support that? State state control of education. Do you support that? No. All right. What I'm trying to get at is the fascist ideology is one that is distinctly on the left. Whether or not you personally support it. We have Not done any political
5: theory. Fascism is specifically okay. on the right. It is talking about a race theory compared to another. You know, yeah. that not, are not saying it's The okay. left has problems. Alright, hold on. I don't I know
4: look, in fairness, in fairness, I, I, there's gonna be plenty of time to engage you. But let me just say this. No movement that calls itself a national socialist movement is going to be on the right. And the idea that the fascists are right-wing because they support racial superiority? Wait a minute. The guy who showed the Ku Klux Klan movie in the White House was Woodrow Wilson, a progressive Democrat. So progressivism was married to racism at the hip. So don't pretend it was a right-wing phenomenon. It wasn't.
1: I'm, you rolling, like my to say, I'm am- rolling my eyes really hard at that because here's the thing that I'm going to contend with is fascists did not like capitalists. Yes. However, it's well documented that they were very much eager to seize the momentum of the communist movement throughout Europe at that time. That's the point of National Socialism in the title. I will happily contend that they're not, you know, American conservatism, which is a mixture of free market free markets and liberalism so i would say definitely no donessa stuza is probably not a fascist however i do think it's really disingenuous to not say they were a factor of the european right wing like the monarchy um was behind the forces of reaction throughout the entirety of europe like this was and if we can agree, the right wing wants to conserve things, right? So you might want to say, like, hey, listen, they're right wing, and I'm right wing, but I don't want to associate with them. Sure, fine. I would you let...
0: can you cannot say in boldface after 32 shows that you're right wing.
1: No, I'm saying hypothetically. I'm doing a Ben Shapiro here.
0: Oh, you doing circular I'm, do- I'm not I'm doing a Ben
1: Shapiro here. I'm doing, I'm oh. going down. I think you've got to tell I, I, the audience Let's say that. for the sake of argument... Tell let, the like, audience us, that. Even if I was right You're not wing. talking
0: to me on the street. You're it, talking you over the way. say right I though.
1: was right-wing. Uh, you, know, you know, there are disagreements within this thing, within these movements. Like, a lot of people on the left say, like... You
0: called fascism f- far right. It is. It is not. It is. Here we go.
1: It is. We've already said it, it was pro-defending it's the not. aristocracy. It's no, not. No, no, no. Stop, stop,
4: stop, 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 stop. For decades, this has been a favorite smear of the left aimed at those on the right. Every Republican president, for that matter, virtually every Republican, since the 1970s has been called a fascist, now more than ever. This label is based on the idea that fascism is a phenomenon of the political right. The left says it is, and some self-styled white supremacists and neo-Nazis embrace the label. But are they correct? To answer this question, we have to ask what fascism really means. What is its underlying ideology? Where does it even come from? These are not easy questions to answer. We know the name of the philosopher of capitalism, Adam Smith. We know the name of the philosopher of Marxism, Karl Marx. But who's the philosopher of fascism? Yes, exactly. You don't know. Don't feel bad. Almost no one knows. This is not because he doesn't exist, but because historians, most of whom are on the political left, had to erase him from history in order to avoid confronting fascism's actual beliefs. So let me introduce him to you. His name is Giovanni Gentile. Born in 1875, he was one of the world's most influential philosophers in the first half of the 20th century. Gentile believed that there were two diametrically opposed types of democracy. One is liberal democracy, such as that of the United States, which Gentile dismisses as individualistic, too centered on liberty and personal rights and therefore selfish. The other, the one Gentile recommends, is true democracy, in which individuals willingly subordinate themselves to the state. Like his philosophical mentor, Karl Marx, Gentile wanted to create a community that resembles the family, a community where we are all in this together. It's easy to see the attraction of this idea. Indeed, it remains a common rhetorical theme of the left, For example, at the 1984 convention of the Democratic Party, the governor of New York, Mario Cuomo, likened America to an extended family where, through the government, people all take care of each other. Nothing's changed. 30 years later, a slogan of the 2012 Democratic Party convention was, the government is the only thing we all belong to. They might as well have been quoting Gentile. Now, remember, Gentile was a man of the left. He was a committed socialist. For Gentile, fascism is a form of socialism. Indeed, its most workable form. While the socialism of Marx mobilizes people on the basis of class, fascism mobilizes people by appealing to their national identity as well as their class. Fascists are socialists with a national identity. German fascists in the 1930s were called Nazis, basically a contraction of the term National Socialist. For Gentile, all private action should be oriented to serve society. There's no distinction between the private interest and the public interest. Correctly understood, the two are identical. And who is the administrative arm of society? It's none other than the state consequently to submit to society, is to submit to the state, not just in economic matters, but in all matters. Since everything is political, the state gets to tell everyone how to think and what to do. It was another Italian, Benito Mussolini, the fascist dictator of Italy, from 1922 to 1943, who turned Gentile's words into action. In his *Dottrina del Fascismo, one of the doctrinal statements of early fascism, Mussolini wrote, All is in the state, and nothing human exists or has value outside the state. He was merely paraphrasing Gentile. The Italian philosopher is now lost in obscurity. But his philosophy could not be more relevant because it closely parallels that of the modern left. Gentile's work speaks directly to progressives who champion the centralized state. Here in America, the left has vastly expanded state control over the private sector, from healthcare to banking, from education to energy. This state-directed capitalism is precisely what German and Italian fascists implemented in the 1930s. Leftists can't acknowledge their man Gentile because that would undermine their attempt to bind conservatism to fascism. Conservatism wants small government so that individual liberty can flourish. The left, like Gentile, wants the opposite—to place the resources of the individual and industry in the service of a centralized state. To acknowledge Gentile is to acknowledge that fascism bears a deep kinship to the ideology of today's left so they will keep Gentile where they've got him dead buried and forgotten but we should remember or the ghost of fascism will continue to haunt us
0: guess what folks so anytime i say the, refer that is to
1: this thing i have ever listened to in my entire life so, Young and no, old. No, going, going off for starters. Here, here's something that he missed. This guy's gonna make this attack. This
0: guy's gonna argue a Ph.D. in political science and doctrinal statehood.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a propagandist, In all due respect, he is a propagandist. You're not respecting; you're disrespecting him. He's a he
0: runs five circles he, around he, you educational he, Also, he's he lying. Does
1: a good job. He has a good job because he's really met donors. You see how flippant they are? Really met donors. No, but here's the thing it turns I've him no, upside no, no, no. down. I've already acknowledged.
0: You didn't acknowledge. You look like a fool. For three, 30 shows, you've been calling it a far right.
1: It is. It's not. They, by their own admission, are far You're, right. He just
0: proved it to you. It wasn't. He's He no, studied Gentile. You don't even know I've who Gentile is. This. You, you don't even know who Gentile is.
1: Values. They are against the You American don't even values, know. And they are you don't, the only aristocrat. thing. No, you don't know anything. No, you, you are Im- imagining stuff. stuff. No, you look up some PragerU video, which is... We'll see some PragerU.
0: It's not to do with gentility. It's a, it's about PragerU. No, liberals, liberals have... This is what liberals have. You have not read any of these books. Dilute, no, no. denigrate, do you know what disassociate, right? and deny do you know what the their is? facts.
1: No, no, do you know what the Kaliugas Go ahead. Do you know what the Kaliugas is? Tell us. Do you know what the... Tell Basically us! You Do you know what Ride the tiger is? No, you don't. You don't know anything about these subjects. So you go and look to an o- obvious propagandist who has no genuine effort to tell you about these things. I will gladly tell you and the audience what fascism is about. Go yes, for it anti- right now. They are, yes. Right now. Anti bourgeois. Right they, a- they are anti bourgeois. In a nutshell, it is about establishing a spiritual aristocratic warrior class to the state. That the state values for that put the aristocratic warrior class above everything else. You know what? You're right. They were So did the
0: Bolsheviks. So did the Mensheviks.
1: No, No, no. God No, they wanted a the Mensheviks and the Bolsheviks wanted an intellectual class to defend the proletarian revolution. This is a very different aim is and goal.
0: It, Isn't that circular no, rationale? It's not. No. It no. is! No! These the are audience, different
1: things! The these are tell? different things! You're rationalizing! You can't tell them! You can't tell them apart! That's the problem here. Is your intellectual you, inadequacy you has to become my problem because you can't tell that these two different things are apart. Uh, I'm trying to identify you two different threats in the wild, and you can't tell them apart. And you see me as opposition, so you think we're all the
0: same animal. I'm telling you right now, we're not
1: all the same animal.
0: You are delirious. You you can say whatever you want.
1: I want democracy. I do not want a Leninist vanguard. We have seen the Leninist vanguard as a failure of the 20th century. Multiple Marxists were critical. So you go for
0: fascism instead.
1: No, I'm not for aristocratic warrior class
0: aristocratic warrior class that's made up word no, it's called it, word salad it, 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 it
1: is what the fascists—it's word salad it is what the fascists believed in
0: oh my so god so if you
1: don't want to play this game of understanding words that's fine by me but i should at least be like paid so he hey, to teach you politics so you just so dance you, around the no, whole no no, no 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 so where's the you, evidence you, 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 time out you, now come, you come from talk. an Ayn Rand world
0: time out if he doesn't know how to shut up i gotta turn off his microphone where in your statement did you prove that it was a far right conservative movement? For your well, wait. I didn't give you a chance to talk yet because you just ignore what you're here. I mean, no, uh, I'll
1: I'll happily explain it. Put me back
0: on. No, you got to put, put you put got to put you got you got to get your own me. little video. I'll, I'll happily explain it. Now I need you to have it backed up with one of your commie, fascist, or no, no, I'll, conservative I'll, far right I'll, I'll wing. I'll happily
1: explain it. I'll happily explain it. Okay. So, Dinesh Dostouza, I'll happily explain it. Dinesh Destouza is what we would call a classical liberal. You know, liberals were revolutionary for around the 18th century. They had successfully fought off the monarchies of Europe. This was a part of American foreign policy known as the Monroe Doctrine.
0: So You're going too far back.
1: No, no, no. This is how far back you got to go to understand history. You can't just. No, I'm
0: it. on doctrine. I'm talking about the battles for the monarchies.
1: No, but yeah. But so here's the thing. Over the monarchies. So fascism was about trying to reestablish this sort of view of Europe as a series of kingdoms led by aristocrats. It was meant to be a bulwark.
0: 1900 now, not 1700. Yes,
1: it was meant to be a bulwark against what American conservatives want. Which was classical liberalism, or social democracy, which is what, you know, the centrists.
0: And notice how he excludes capitalism, because that's all. No, no, rid- no, no.
1: They did they did want to fight capitalism. i absolutely not fight
0: capitalism. They wanted to implement capitalism in the new world. Oh not my the God. fascists.
1: Not the fascists.
0: They were, didn't exist. They were they were pro the king.
1: The fascists merely wanted to implement profit for the interest of the state war machine.
0: You have to prove to me the size and the scope of American fascism in the age of the revolution of the I, United I, States. I, I,
1: I'm not saying Americans are fascist no I, I n- I never said i want American you, to place, them, were I want you to place them I want you to so, place them in the he,
0: founders myths. who among the founders or their acolytes was an American fascist I want to know because I like to be American, educated the
1: only American fascist I could think of
0: in those days or not those are, days?
1: around you know around the 1900s around the early 1900s would have who was a capitalist? The only one who I think would really fit the bill um, was Henry Ford. Henry Ford. Henry Ford was the only person who was like, "Let's do this." The individual. The individual.
0: Not a not the Henry Ford political affiliation running for president or anything like that.
1: Because there were there were there were groups that were in America that were very sympathetic
0: to this very day.
1: They, they were, but the, they're not the first, far right. Yes. No, they're not. Yeah, because you can't they can't prove they, no, they, cuz they're far right cuz I don't, just pr- I no, just no, no, disprove no, no, it. No, no, no. Cuz they don't even like demo- they don't even like the liberalism in the United States. So a guy like you, you are a classical liberal. But, so when I no, hold on. but don't when say far right. It's call, not far right. But when I call people far right, they're even more to the right than you. They're beyond you. They think you are a gutless Awful degenerate who has tolerated letting a commie onto his radio show, who defends such disgusting values as freedom of speech on the free market.
0: By the way, only on Blink Radio, WSQF 94.5.
1: They would hate you for these values. They are more to the right than you. So you are not this far right. But there are people further... To your right. That's what I'm saying. Is that there is a far right... That is not that goes true.
0: Beyond you. Yes, they are. The people who are serious commie. serious, you're not being serious commie, because you haven't been able to develop a serious case for communism, but the far left hates that you're on the air with me. That's for sure. Yeah. They're fascists. They're, they're communists. They're, they're together. I, they,
1: they would be... I would call them anarchists. The anarchists are the ones that's, who don't believe the freedom in freedom of speech. also communists. No, no, no. They're... They're an offshoot. That's they, the person.
0: Mark- that's what the anarchist, point I'm making.
1: Anarchist fought with Marx. It's uh, an animal
0: of the left. Okay, plain and simple. You can keep on repeating it no, if you it, want. No, it,
1: it's fine because you're really trying to simplify. I'm going to hear blindly. Very, very complicated subject.
0: No, no, I just had I just had Denise D'Souza explain it to you in five minutes. Now I'm going to go on fourteen. Now minutes. he's going
1: to run off to another video. We got so a dweeb to now. avoid learning more,
0: we're going to have a dweeb. Just because he's got dark rimmed glasses, I I don't know him from Adam. Is it
1: another you video?
0: No, it's not. Uh, unless I'm, unless he says so now, because I'm seeing it for the first time, and I'm willing to be subject to whatever ridicule after playing 14 minutes of this. Hold on to your seats. We're going to have to go for uh, more time tonight because we started so late. But it'll be recorded on wsqfradio.com. There's going to be a comparison between capitalism, socialism, and communism and I'll just stand by these words and assume that this person knows more about this subject than I do.
2: Um, and hey, will you stop censoring me? Oh, sorry. Thank you. Now, capitalism, socialism, and communism. Whoa, 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 whoa. Watch your language. I am offended. Anyway, let's first hear what the critics have to say about capitalism. You're a very, very successful, very rich filmmaker, apart from everything else you do. In a Mm. way,
6: that is... Capitalism, I mean, you, you've got a business, really? you've got a company. Oh. Well, isn't it in Is its it purest really? sense? Isn't it? what pure? There's nothing pure about capitalism. Is it not, though? It's, it's not been capitalism. Corrupted. Unfortunately, over time, capitalism has spun wildly out of control, transforming rapidly from a force for positive social change into a brutal system of oppression that's holding humanity back and destroying billions of lives. So how many people in contemporary society, let alone across capitalism's long history, die due to this economic system? Capitalism is global, and around the world, 8 million people die from lack of clean drinking water. Roughly another 8 million people die from hunger, and on top of that, another 3 million die from vaccine-treatable diseases. Adding in Room for Error, let's just take it to a grand total of 20 million deaths per year due to the lack of food, water, and
2: vaccines. Uh-huh, nice. Now let's hear all the great things people have to say about socialism. Socialism has failed every place that it has been attempted. How many people under 30 and 40 know so little about the legacy of socialism and the suffering that it's caused? Socialism is grim, it's old, and it offers you no tomorrow. Socialism is
6: going to win. What is? Well, it, what does that mean, it, and what is socialism? Well, it could win at the polls. That's the problem. It's mm-hmm. very intoxicating to right. people who don't know any better. Right. And the interesting thing rich about... People, They have
1: too much money. Yeah.
6: The interesting thing about socialism is that no matter how many times it fails, people expect it to succeed. Now, let's look at the facts about socialism, shall we? Venezuela, a rich country blessed with bountiful natural resources, is now a hellhole. What happened in Venezuela? They call that democratic socialism, but they don't have
2: toilet paper, and it's less equal than ever.
6: As we're now seeing in Venezuela, all of the promises that the left told us, and we warned against now are shattered. People are starving to death.
2: Venezuela, eh? Okay, okay. What about communism?
6: Why is communist
5: so much less a term of revulsion than Nazi? Communists killed 70 million people in China, more than 20 million people in the Soviet Union, not including about 5 million Ukrainians, and almost one out of every three Cambodians. And communists enslaved
7: entire nations in Russia, Vietnam, China, Eastern Europe, North Korea, Cuba, and much of Central Asia. They ruined the lives of well over a billion
2: people. Guevara, in the name of communism, killed lots of people. He said... We executed many people by firing squad without knowing if they are fully guilty.
5: why is it that the atrocities of communism are almost completely ignored by our teachers and dismissed as just a blip in history by most? One hundred million people perished under communist dictators in the last century.
2: Alright then, communism. So it appears there are a lot of strong opinions about these three words, but there is confusion about what they mean. These three words have also been weaponized. People often use these three words to attack and marginalize others. People misuse these three words. They conflate them with other words. For example, often people seamlessly interchange communism and totalitarianism, or capitalism and fascism, as if they mean the exact same thing. Dude, you're mixing an economic system and political system for crying out loud. And there's also this false dichotomy. There are some,
6: Democrats mostly, who believe socialism should replace capitalism. Do you think that's ever going to happen?
2: Replace capitalism with socialism? Who the heck is proposing that? Do
6: you think that's ever going to happen?
2: You know what? I'm starting to get a little worked up about this. Let's look at some dictionary definitions of these three terms, alright? I need a dictionary. Can anybody get me a dictionary, please? Thank you. You're
8: welcome.
2: Alright, now let's just take this dictionary here and look at the definition of capitalism and put that up on the screen, okay? Capitalism. An economic system characterized by private or corporate ownership of capital goods by investments that are determined by private decision and by prices, production, and the distribution of goods that are determined mainly by competition in a free market. Okay, so let's break this down. First of all, it says economic system, meaning a way resources get around and the way people trade stuff. By private or corporate ownership. Okay, let's just say private ownership of capital goods. Okay, what are capital goods? Goods used to make other goods. All right, let's go on. By investments. So basically folks trying to get rich that are determined by... Private decisions. Prices. Production and distribution of goods determined by competition in a free market. Okay, let's simplify that. Folks trying to get rich by competing with each other. Everything else is implied, isn't it? If you are competing in a free market, there is no government stopping you when trying to make money. You are making decisions on prices, production, and distribution in order to make a profit, and you are competing with others for customers. This is capitalism.
6: Whoa 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 whoa! Capitalism? More like late stage capitalism. It will die soon, you greedy scum of the earth capitalist pig. All you care about is yourself.
2: Come at me, bro. Anyway, capitalism has been around for hundreds of years. By the 1500s it really caught on, and there has been no turning back. A word that has been even more of an insult lately, more so than capitalism, is the word socialism. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So now you're a dirty socialist? You know, socialism killed 100 million people. I mean, Venezuela? Hello? Well, crap. We've got three different definitions here in the dictionary, okay? Socialism. Number 1, a theory or system of social organization that advocates the vesting of the ownership and control of the means of production and distribution of capital, land, etc., in the community as a whole. Number 2, procedure or practice in accordance with this theory. Okay, then well we don't have to really go over this definition then, do we? And number three, in Marxist theory, the stage following capitalism and the transition of a society to communism, characterized by the imperfect implementation of collectivist principles. So first, it's a theory or a system. Why is socialism considered a theory and capitalism not? Probably because it's never been fully practiced. But it is another economic system. But instead of private or corporate ownership, we are talking about the community as a whole, as the owners. With capitalism, it's about owning capital goods. But with socialism, it's about owning the production, distribution, land, everything. And everyone owns that. The community as a whole makes economic decisions, not the individual. Based on that definition, have we ever had that? No, not really. Not since farming became a thing, at least. Now, that third definition is the historical definition of socialism, and often leads to even more confusion about what socialism actually means. Marxist theory? Yeah, socialism, even though it had origins throughout human history, was first articulated by two dudes named Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels. Get it? Marxist? Because it was named after him? To this day, Engels is still mad. It's called Marxism and not Engelism, by the way. Anyway, the two criticized capitalism and said it would eventually be overthrown by a new economic system, aka socialism, and eventually communism. Socialism was just a transition from capitalism to communism. Marx and Engels said socialism would consist of everybody owning the means of production, and that the workers would control and manage it. By the way, Marx is the reason why we even have the terms socialism and communism.
6: Communism? Don't even try to talk about communism, you un-American commie. I always knew you were a red. You probably are a spy for the Soviet Union,
2: aren't you? But i have to give a definition to educate the viewer. You'd have to do a whole lot more living in a communist society. Well, not necessarily. So the dictionary says communism. Number one, a system in which goods are owned in common and are available to all as needed. Two, a theory advocating elimination of private property. Now remember, that's communism with a lowercase c. So, pretty similar to socialism, ain't it? Again, it's both a system and a theory. And again, a theory originally by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels. Goods are owned in common, meaning you take what you want and you share everything. And yeah, no private property. Pretty ambitious and unrealistic in this day and age. Now, have we ever seen communism in practice? Well, we've seen it tried, but it failed miserably. It needed totalitarianism, and I don't think Marx would have been a fan of the Soviet Union or China because he wanted a stateless society. That's what a communist would say, you dirty socialist. Anyway, let's review, shall we? Capitalism is an economic system in which there's private ownership of capital goods and competition in a free market. Socialism is an economic system, but also a social and political theory, where the means of production is owned by the community as a whole. This usually means the government has to step in, which is why you hear libertarian-type folks freak out about it. Communism is an economic system, but also a social and political theory, where private property is completely gone, and we share everything. Cool? Okay, okay. Well, here's the thing. Those three words have been tainted over the years, and their definitions have morphed and evolved to a point where They almost are meaningless, okay? They aren't always just talking about economics. Karl Marx was talking about a political upheaval just as much as he was talking about an economic one, which is why it's better to learn about economic systems in a more accurate way. In reality, when looking at factors of production or what goes into producing stuff, there are four economic systems. Number one, traditional economy. Customs and traditions guide the factors of production, it's informal, and there There's usually no currency. Number two, command economy. It's top down. A central authority, usually the government, guides the factors of production. There is usually little input from the people. Number three, market economy. I mean, capitalism in its purest form, basically. Consumers generally guide the factors of production. It's bottom up. And number four, mixed economy. A mix of all the other three, man. And guess what? It's what the majority of the world has. Sometimes the government steps in to try to manage the economy. Sometimes it's a completely free market. Sometimes it's even based on traditional values. Because there's a difference between a public good and a commodity. Can you explain to me the difference between public goods and a commodity?
6: Well, in economics, a public good is uh, a good that is, I believe, non-excludable and non-rivalrous so
2: exactly it's also important to know the difference between the four categories of goods in economics it looks like this on a table so we've got rivalrous meaning if someone consumes a good it prevents someone else from consuming it it's a zero-sum game excludable meaning you can prevent consumers who haven't paid from accessing it so on the table here we've got private goods examples include food clothing cars personal electronics that are excludable and rivalrous and we We've got club goods, like cinemas, private parks, satellite TV, that are excludable and non-rivalrous. And then we've got non-excludable. This column here has the rivalrous, which is common goods. Fish stocks, timber, coal, as examples. And public goods here with the non-excludable non-rivalrous, such as air and national defense. I mean the public good spot here. Let's pay close attention to that area. Many people do start to freak out and call somebody a socialist when people want to add things to the public goods category, such as healthcare. Is healthcare care a public good? That's a great debate to have, but one for another video, as it's time to wrap this baby up. So there you have it. The difference between capitalism, socialism, and communism. Well,
1: oh? I think that was a pretty fair video. Okay. And as I've always said, I am I'm a mixed market ha- I'm person. i
0: what I heard. Yeah, I like... I'll agree with that. You're familiar with the site uh, as I wasn't. So I took great risk in putting it on live. And it seemed like, uh, can I use the word like? I seem like. Uh... As long as
1: you don't use weird.
0: That's right. By the way, the listeners, you're not allowed to use weird either. Weird means absolutely nothing. Everything and everyone can be weird.
1: You would have been a fantastic English teacher.
0: No, because I'm bilingual would, and I speak both of you them. You would have corrected people's maybe You would
1: have made them more. Look, precise you just, you words. just,
0: you just educated me today, yeah. and I just got educated in the vi- video because I never s- spoke of the economic systems as rivalrous and non-rival. Rivalist. I can't even say that word three times. But you also taught me circular reasoning because I've used other ways and other means to describe someone who's starting where he begins, using different rationale to get to the same point that I originally made, and you're like, what? And you, you're you're replying to me as in opposition, and yet you're saying what I'm saying in a circular rationale that I wish I would have used that word before you did. So I'm I'm quite jealous of the future generation. And there's nothing more that I can it, say. It, it
1: helps when you get on the computer when you're very little and it gives you depression very early on.
0: That's what happened to you? I don't
1: know if it was related to the Internet, but I did struggle with a lot of depression growing up. I had
0: a tough time just buying a computer. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to do it. And you know what
1: I've done recently, and it's actually helped me uh, a, a load... Can I say a crap? It helped me a crap ton because I've noticed it now because I'm among my peers. I notice I sleep better. And I think that's because I don't have a smartphone anymore.
0: Whoa, there's a lot of talk about that. And having the phone, I need the phone because of my diabetes. I need it in my bed with me because there'll be an alarm if my sugar falls.
1: I think we're going to be at a point like I'm calling it. You know, this is the one point where I'm a little bit conservative. Is that every single time a new thingamajig or gizmo, gizmo is made and given to us, I don't trust it. I immediately feel like, has this thing been like safe? Well, when you
0: say given, you mean a download, something for you? No,
1: like a new sort of appliance. Oh, but full, but also applications.
0: Look at my new appliance in the studio.
1: Oh yeah, um, we found an amazing little. Um, coca-cola
0: old refrigerator a tiny little one like a a very little in the middle of the hall just to keep a glass of water cold Pretty cool. So so
1: it's like I, I feel like I do get when people are nervous about the future I do feel because there are so many get which quick schemes in the world that people are apt to stuff one down our throats and then before we know it we're stuck with one and I really do feel that way about like the phone because I remember back in the day, the internet was very different. And it's very interesting to me when, you know, you'll have a website like something posted on Reddit being discussed in the media. Like, Reddit used to be obscure. But what's always been consistent is that Reddit is the worst website. Um,
0: yeah, you, you <laughs> can target wherever you want there. I, I know that when I was firing the trigger letter at the K8 Center, I was later told, almost years later told with screenshots what they were saying about me. And I'm saying, wow. And that stuff must have stuck to those who did not like what I was doing. And those who wanted to support what I'm doing now had doubt. And therefore they gave Reddit a lot more credibility than, than you're telling me it deserved.
1: Well, Reddit has always kind of been like a crazy website because Reddit used to be like a very free speech absolutist place. And then it got sold over to advertising. By
0: liars and thieves, like always.
1: No, um, I wouldn't say, but Reddit has always had a problem that every free speech platform does.
0: Liars and thieves, like politics.
1: There's a lot of liars and thieves, per se, but the biggest problem that I've always seen is that people are really, really quick to factionalism. That a moment that there's a major dispute on the internet or something, people just cut the line and they just migrate to a new place and then that place will be inculcated with a totally new self-serving worldview.
0: Yeah, but different than the, the original thread they vacated.
1: Yeah, uh, but, like, the problem is, is that, like, a lot of people who will say, like, what's really important about freedom of speech is that we get to test out ideas. And what I really felt, what I've seen throughout my time on the Internet is that, like, you need a strong sense of, like, a freedom of speech platform that, like, truly... Applied with a sense of fairness.
0: Okay. But at the same time, each individual user of the platform, freedom of speech platform, has to get off the hell belt idea that their minds cannot be changed. And that's the biggest problem I see on the left. The people on the right are in shock and awe mode because they can't believe that a man out of nowhere who's had a— A turbulent uh, experience in capitalism comes to the foray, gets elected by God knows what chance, because he sure in hell was a shot in the dark. His name was Donald Trump. And that thing was so appalling that he was so attacked, and yet his economy was still the most successful in the last 50 years. Not only did he do the things he did, he did it under complete arrest. Like he said the other day at CPAC, he says, Hey man, they don't hate me as much as they hate you. I'm just in their way. And
1: that's a nice fear tactic in all honesty. But like, they hated him. No, but, 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 but like he he's saying that they want to destroy the average American.
0: Come on, who can say Do you think that we're not being destroy- destroyed right now? Yes. I don't think so. The middle class is getting crushed right now. But- Crunch.
1: Trump has led more exports than anybody. He's part of that destroying who he's claiming to
0: protect. He never if got, that's the argument he you're making, a, that's
1: not in the favor. But not
0: based on what you're saying. He did he, not lead exports. You said that this economy was more. golden.
1: He led exports. He did. He failed the tariff wars, like he said he was going to do. He continued to ship up manufacturing. He continued... Like, Listen, I think him and Biden... Both have an accountability for attacking the East Palestine. Do you
0: realize a terror war must go on for about 25 years, not four? If you want to take down China, you've got to be energy independent first. Second of all, you have to get rid of the income tax, and you have to reduce it to 1% like it started. <laughs> then you got to use excise taxes to replace what you uh, don't even depend on, which is what comes in through income tax, because income tax won't even pay the interest on the present debt in a month. All the income tax. If you were to tax me... That, that's wh-
1: the only way to hand it to China. That's the only way. The biggest concern that we should have about China is how much they're polluting. That Be- is the biggest concern. Oh,
0: how delirious. No, oh, it is. No, man. Yeah, it is. Because no, it
1: isn't. Yeah, it is. If, no, it isn't. If global warming hits hard... No, it isn't. You can see, this is a boomer the talk. The biggest this concern is old man talk. of China this is, old man is talk. their ability is the old man to talk.
0: completely he- crush the American economy and threaten war to get what they want you from know, us. You know, it's
1: going to make everything harder for us. Because we couldn't if, if fight another, them right now. They could fight us. Do you realize... And we get more climate migrants, and then we have more anxiety about letting more people into the country, or how we're going to settle when borders have to be redrawn because so many places have been flooded, like Kiev claim. How is about
0: flooded by Chinese?
1: They're going to take advantage of that. You don't think for a moment they're going to be able to hit us with a propaganda war over this disease? The they don't way have
0: to. They just take our fork and knife away and walk over the Bering Strait and paddle over here and out reproduce us in less than 10 years. My God, it's 1.1 billion people that half of them do not eat three meals a day. They come over here and crush us, crush us by simple immigration. How many are coming over right now over the Mexican border? My God, that's the biggest threat to China. Are
1: coming over the Im- Yes.
0: Border. What are you? Are you not? Are you hiding under a rock again? My God! Look I thought it they'd up. They're
1: coming by plane.
0: They've been coming since 1900. Be coming by plane. They're by crossing plane. the border. Not the Mexican. They're board. crossing the border.
1: That's a, because it's easy to that's get a. a his, that's a crazy claim. I'm going to look. i oh, up. go for it. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to look that. Go
0: up. for it now. Remember, folks. Everybody who doesn't have the means to fly and land in the United States and expire their travel visas, that's 50% of the illegals, okay? Affluent people who just don't go back to their countries after their visas, their tourist visas are up. And they go into hiding or they have other sources of income. So this is
1: interesting. The first thing that's already come up to me now is that the Chinese who are emigrating here like ethnically Chinese, are primarily from Taiwan or Hong Kong, who have an anti-Chinese government sentiment.
0: Same like my parents who had an anti-communist. But then, communist-
1: yeah. Then what? Then what's the anxiety about that they're going Come on, to replace ask your no, I, really, as your mom? as your mom. Yeah, my mom as is my pro parents. America. Like, I'm pro America. They raised the pro dude, America. Dude, they got out of there they,
0: in '61 because they were but Taiwan. Then what's the anxiety about China crushing us with immigrants? Hello, they're coming in huge quantities. Well, not quantities. Millions of people can easily
1: who are going to be anti-communist government.
0: Oh. Okay, I'll give you that if they're from Hong Kong and Taiwan. Point taken. But once it's institutionalized, meaning our economy sucks and we, they control us, which is kind of what I believe is already happening. I, I mean, it.
1: if anything, you should be pumped. Because the more Taiwanese and Hong Kong immigrants we get, the more likely we're going to have a more national attitude of, we don't want the Chinese to win. So it, it, it sounds like it's it going to be sound, a good position It might sound you.
0: really cool. But the good—I mean, I'm just pontificating
1: off my my butt like you are right now.
0: No, I don't. I don't. I'm not delegitimizing what you're saying because I I spent a considerable amount of time in Hong Kong as a kid, and uh, I'm really sad you, you to know, see. You know, what's funny—is I've talked to people. You know, who wait have... a minute, time out here. One thing's for certain—you've got to shut up when I'm talking, okay? I don't appreciate you interrupting. I say, go ahead, talk. If I'm making a point, you shut the hell up. And I make the point, and then you rebut it all you want. That's radio. You're just cutting my point off so that you can blabber, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it just isn't going to work. That's why I have to turn you off the microphone just so that I could talk. Now, I fully understand that because I get accused of that out in the street out there, that I talk over people. That are not, and the truth is, I have to admit, most of the stuff I hear, I'm not very impressed with the points they make, especially if I had to make that point with 25 other people throughout One week, perfect example. When I talk about school, what's the number one comment I get? Over and over and over again, 10 decades, 10 years, one decade. I keep on getting, oh, we should just, everybody should just put kids in private school. That doesn't solve the problem because 50% of your real estate taxes will still go to the school district, in the large school districts. Lesser in the rural school district. Do you think I want to hear that comment from one more individual? No, I interrupt them. That's my point. I was making a point but that, what
1: I wanted to say. What's really funny, and is, it goes right I, I, back. It goes right back to, to
0: interrupting. Me. I've
1: talked to people who've left from China, and I'm like, what are they like? Like, wh- like, what's the government? Because they're I,
0: escaping.
1: No, no, yeah, the brutality I, I of want, the government. I want, I want to hear about it. Because, you know, I'm always interested in people who have, like, a story to them. And I remember I used to hang out with people who suddenly were being very sneakily pro-China, and I got tired of the apologism. But what they had told me was really funny, was that, like, yeah, the, the government is really short-sighted. It's full of people who are just greedy. And then I was like, hey, like, oh, they're just like us. That's they're just true.
0: like us. That's that sounded true. exactly not, like what well, I would complain about American, my government, is that Apollo we're full
1: of bunch of short-sighted and greedy actors.
0: Okay. There's no, there's no doubt that Gordon Gecko was correct in Wall Street. Democracy mixed with capitalism, mixed with socialism, turns out naturally, organically, kinetically, as greedocracy. Gordon Gecko. It's not a democracy. It's a greedocracy. There's no way that you can really beat your competition to a pulp to make sure that they don't bankrupt you without a certain amount of greediness. I know that my situation is incredibly competitive. I'm up against Home Depot. Now, I I don't really espouse to greediness in my case because, quite frankly, I can't compete with Home Depot. Cannot. There's no way I can compete on price, manner, marketing, position, and client base. So I'm an oddball when it comes to competing with Home depot because i'm I'm out here on an island where I can only live off
1: i I've always preferred fire hardware but I, I've with, always all I hardware. can win
0: the war on is manners service as many products as possible but I cannot compete price wise now I can't be accused of being overly expensive either because I go to Home Depot on a regular basis to see how how I am, how I stand. Do I go up, do I go down? Right now, we're all going up. It's inflation, inflation, inflation. But guess what? I'm owned, Ace Hardware, Home Depot, Lowe's, right now my fellow citizen, radio socialist Alejandro, is dominated, controlled by China. All our products are made there. We couldn't even make the transition Trump would have to be in power for 25 years to make the transition. That's my point. And every once in a while we fail because we only get in there for 4 8 years and then the Democrats rule again. The biggest I don't
1: think it's just the Democrats. It's when you're talking about when it sounds like to me when you're talking about, you know, your hardware store already outsourcing everything It sounds like a problem with much deeper tendrils than one political party.
0: They're the the ones who support the high-tax environment that doesn't allow people to manufacture goods in the United States on a regular basis before they have to export the trades offshore. We can't manufacture these products here. Why? Because you guys want national health care. You want increased minimum wage. You want national uh, pension funds. You want unemployment tax. Uh, labor, I don't know how many things, uh, benefits to labor. You want to expand the collective bargaining rights of government employees, inflating the government even more. You make it impossible to have a competitive market. And on top of that, if anything, you want to increase no. income tax so that nobody can buy anything. Because no. it's, uh, uh, it if, all goes to tax.
1: what major thing that we have been pushing, I don't know about the Democratic Party, but people on the left is, and you can look this up, this is a record that people on the labor left have held. Um, I remember Michael Moore's first documentary, Roger and Me, was all about lambasting corporations for putting their, you know, their factories offshores. You know, because we recognized that this was going to affect most people, that this was going to affect the heart of the country, more or less.
0: Who were those? The ones who called themselves? The robber barons. They began the... the, So, but, like,
1: if if anything, we knew that this was going to be disastrous. Like, even in the 1970s, it was the conservatives who were more concerned about the environment than the labor leftists, which is something that we might say is interesting. Um, But more or less, like, going on from all of this, if anything, the push to bring back industry into America would fund and help all of these programs that you're saying that we're too broke for. If anything, this would just make us wealthier again. Like more what? people would have How, jobs. Uh, what are you more continuing? people would have jobs so they could be able to work. Like the only people who would be at a disadvantage are practically multinational companies who want much more easily exploitable worker bases. Like it sounds like it's going to be rough, don't get me wrong. But if we bring back manufacturing into the United States,
0: you cannot unless you have a dollar gas.
1: No, I think we could just uh um, You just subsidize- says no? No, because I it's think a, it could be more. It could be more. It
0: could be more. No, it can't be. It could be more. It cannot.
1: It could be more. We, we One dollar no. gas sounds great, but I also think we need to be we, subsidizing. We were heading
0: there until you guys brought in Crazy Joe and go to war instead. Well, we
1: would that. be subsidizing people to start building factories here again would be another major thing that we
0: would need to Batteries do. that would have to be run on fossil fuel because we don't have the transition natural gas well, yet. Sure. you are even blocking that. Remember Sarah Palin? And, and Tebow Pickens... They were all talking natural gas. I mean,
1: Obama still built those pipelines.
0: No, he didn't. He stopped them.
1: At the last moment.
0: No, he didn't. He the, stopped It them.
1: was at the he, last moment that he stopped the pipeline.
0: He stopped every pipeline he had a chance to stop. The ones that got completed during his administration were already completed during his administration. He could not stop them. He could not stop them by court. He could not stop them by enactment of uh, executive order. They were too far along to be stopped. But he stopped every other one. Of course, the fam- most famous one was Keystone. But that alone, oil shell in Canada, my God, they go straight across now. And they export straight to China because we stopped Keystone. We, we don't even refine the, re- the stuff. It goes abroad right away. Boom, bang, boom. And look now. Perfect bipolarity. The left was against pipelines. Oh, the oil spill. And now you got oil spills via derailment of train.
1: Which has happened due to deregulations by Trump and Biden. And lie! Biden. No, it's true. Lie! Trump supported a lot lie. of deregulation. Lie! This is partially Trump's lie. fault. I'll lie. give Trump credit. He did do lie. the optics game. Lie! Go,
0: lie, lie, lie. What lie. is it
1: that you like to say? Derailment, lies, defame, no, derailment.
0: Not derail. I don't a- accuse, you
1: accuse your opponent of what you secretly do. Yeah. Yeah. Accuse your opponent of what you In see. In the train
0: business, derailment is quite common. Therefore, we should use pipelines. That's the point. And it has nothing to do with safety, lowering the standard. No, it no, does. It doesn't. No, regulation? it doesn't. Regulation? Of course. No, it regulation, doesn't. please. No train, no train company. Oh, God. It,
1: it, it's no. not, not, you're, you're going to turn me into one of these common sense types. No, I'm going to turn you into the... that's just com- against common sense. If you ain't telling me that less regulation means less you accidents assuming, about to happen... You are assuming... Well, that's just against common
0: sense. You are assuming... Assuming, like you always do, you always assume that the government's good at something. It's not. No freight company. Shut up for a second. No freight company <laughs> wants their <laughs> trains derailing. It's too much money for their derailment. No, but they here, here, want to. They the want to maintain the their thing. cars better than anyone else because the it's their you're cars.
1: Missing. Here's the thing you're missing.
0: You just th- missed it. No, no, it's it trucking matter. Oh, a trucking company's not going to service the brake.
1: But guess what? It happened anyway.
0: It does so happen. it's irrelevant. It's no irrelevant. The
1: reason is that we have the government. It's not that the government does these things well, but to create a standard of practice so if someone's caught breaking it, that we can go to the authorities and report them on. Bullshit! It's, yes, it is.
0: I had to press the button. I had to say it. I wanted some of you guys to hear the word. <laughs> it's BS. All it does is cost money in fines, in regulation, which, in Stoppage.
1: Which, which is meant it's to disincentivize threat. it. That That is the rationale.
0: Yeah, like 55 miles an hour is going to kill us less. We die just as fast at slower speeds because the 75-mile-an-hour guy is switching lanes like he's like a bat out of hell. Uh, zigzagging there is no to,
1: safe driving in Miami, I'll tell you that.
0: Well, nationwide, the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit was petroleum-based, gas company-based, um, saving oil during an OPEC crisis, and obviously we should be driving fast in particular lanes. Nobody should be driving 55 anywhere, on any expressway, any turnpike, anywhere. Period. But you got, I see just the other day in Sun Pass. I couldn't believe it. Someone was driving me to a hockey game the other night. And I'm in Sun Pass, and there's a doofus in Sun Pass on the left, driving at 55. And everybody's changing lanes. Guess what? An accident in pass is twice as bad because the spinning, you'll immediately hit the wall. You'll spin. You'll go through those cones, and you're going to hit on traffic going at 55 on the other side of the expressway. It's so sad. If you're in the Sunpass, folks, you've got to haul ass. You have an obligation to get on the right if you're not going to pass anybody. If you're going to pass somebody, you're going to be on the left. You only have two lanes in a sun pass. If you blow it because you think it's cool, because you're, you're lazy as hell, you don't want to be bumper to bumper with anybody, you don't want to kiss anybody's bumper, and you, you don't think everybody else doesn't want to kiss anybody's bumper, and you're driving like a fool on the left, you deserve to be rammed from behind. And if you rammed from behind and you have children in your car, you're an idiot. Because you're a selfless, selfish, narcissist fool. That's male and female on today's. Oh, by the way, today's International Women's Day. Yeah. Kudos to. So,
1: who's your favorite um, female thinker?
0: Let's thinker?
1: Celebrate the, the, like, political thinker. Oh. Who's your favorite woman who did that in honor of women's. Uh, You're it,
0: dying for me to say Anne Rand. I, I want to know, know, you know if it's someone else you have <laughs> other than
1: Anne Rand, is what got me curious. I, I uh, And if it's Rand, you can talk about what Rand meant to you.
0: No, I think um, in terms of thinker, I would have to say only because I'm caught off guard, it would be Margaret Thatcher. Thatcher, yeah. Uh, only because of the political side of her, because she wasn't really—I uh, don't really know her to be a, fil- a philosophic, politically philosophical person. But I might be wrong, for all I know. But yeah, not, that's a good question. Uh, I, I haven't thought about it much. I—I I don't have an American woman I can say that's born in the states that I admire how they think. Uh, I really don't. Um, I remember enjoying <laughs> Ann Coulter for a while there. I wonder what became of her life. I don't see her out and out and about. In the she's
1: pretty out and about. She was on in the mainstream media. She was on Tim Pohl's, um show, and she was talking about the fact that she really wants Trump gone.
0: Wow! So she's turned on Trump after wanting him so bad.
1: But like, yeah, you're right. You're like, but she she did. Pro- she has turned on Trump with the rationale of like. Like, this guy was only good for us when it came to immigration. Aside from that, like...
0: I never accomplished that because
1: the Democrats didn't let him have a wall. Well, she said that Nancy Pelosi walked away with his balls. Ooh. That's what Coulter said.
0: Yeah, Kind of kinky from, from <laughs> Ann Coulter's his point of view. Dude, do you remember
1: how, like, people would be, like, really kind of horny for her back in the day? I, I always, Even Michael Moore was, like, very attracted that's not, to that, her. That's,
0: that's kind of creepy.
1: I remember in one of Michael Moore's books, he was like, how to win over rhinos, and he was saying, like, stop complaining about Ann Coulter. Wow. Like, you know, admit it, you're just mad that we don't have an Ann Coulter.
0: Let's search for That's Anc- kind of weird,
1: isn't it? That people...
0: not of you use weird. I don't think it's weird. I think it's... It's
1: unsettling like... how, like, openly sexist people were back then, is I... what I'm trying to say.
0: Your generation uh, is having a deep problem with that, but... Um... You know, we're misogynist in my generation. I don't know how any yeah. of us are so pious that they think they're anything but that. But um, they admit otherwise. Um, I got some Ann Coulter search engines here. Yeah. And she seems to be still out there. Uh, yeah. But just not, uh, you know, she's just not in the, in, in the stuff that I watch. She's not on Bloomberg she's not on Fox anymore. I don't know exactly what she's up to these days. She has a problem with Nikki Haley or no?
1: I imagine she wouldn't
0: like Nikki Haley. Uh, yeah, you're right. She says, "Go back to your own country." I heard that as a kid. All right, we're going to blindly. And
1: Coulter, kind of, how do I say? Like,
0: it's she doesn't seem
1: like she has the palate for the bloodless Republican. You know, like she seems to like the passionate, going for the jugular sort of person.
0: That this has got to be total shock jock stuff because she knows that she was born in the United States and Nikki Haley. Yeah, and you know, she, I think it's so stupid. Her parents are immigrants, right? Then yes. I believe they were the Sikh uh, Sikh Indians, I believe. And what's really, what's really sad is that she's married to a soldier on top of that. What's really sad is that line of thinking comes from the Anglos who think that Spanish wasn't here first. They think the country was an English, an Anglo country. The Spanish were here 200 years before the English were. And people don't want to realize that Mexico City had 4 million people by... By the late 1700s, that's a lot of people, man, and and America shows up and thinks that uh, this country's always been Anglo. It hasn't been. It's always been a third. In fact, there used to be more it's pretty French, much
1: German. America. I think there are more Germans than there are British in the, people in here the, in America.
0: In, in, the, in the northern part of uh, <laughs> Mississippi River, yes. Uh, All right. I, so let's listen to what Ann's Anne's saying now.
5: immigrate to india so i can demand they start taking down um parts of their history
8: (laughs) well you are a good what's
5: what's the worshiping what's the worshiping of the cows they're all starving over there they're worshiping cows do you know they have a a a a rat temple where they worship rats
2: hey baby Kate, why don't you
5: go back to your own country and reconsider that history
0: That was a racist rant against Nikki Haley. It's one of those situations where uh, you know I was about it, to
1: say there's no other way you could have characterized that.
0: Wow, there is no
1: other way
0: you could. They're a- starving over there and they worship cows. Are you kidding me? You know, I mean, that is really <laughs> tacky stuff, man.
1: But she was always the queen of tacky.
0: Yeah, she, she was always really good at being she, tacky. Like, she was, she was on a roll there, man. She, she, I,
1: I remember the first time I ever saw her was, um. Oh, God, like the kids would think I'm old, right? Uh, because I remember all the way back in 2006, and she's like, I released my new book on June 6, 2006, and no to liberals, 666. 6, oh, That was the first time I ever heard of her. And I was,
0: wow, like, talk about shock, shock and all there.
1: She's good at it. It, it. It's like she's good at being a shock jock. Like if, if this is a man's game, she got her way in.
0: All right, here she's attacking something you'll enjoy, right-wing media. Here we go. Ann Coulter,
6: for over a
1: decade. Oh, this is my boy. This um, is Kyle
6: Kalinske. This is my favorite guy. The right biggest commentator and author. And um, she was, during the Bush years, nobody was a bigger supporter of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the torture program, Guantanamo Bay. I mean, she was just the worst of the worst. Well, now she's a little disillusioned with a lot of folks on the right, particularly Trump and his movement, and so she's sort of letting it all hang out and airing out all the dirty laundry, and it's really interesting to see. So she went on Tim Pool's show, and um, she said a few things I want to share with you. First, let's get to her commentary on Trump.
5: The the 2016 campaign, I I think, was the greatest presidential campaign in world history, but in the book, I make it very clear he's an awful person, he's a con man, he's a grifter. Um, horrible, tacky, vulgarian. Got all that. But he's the only one offering us this basket of issues. I want Rich to coming on. from her. The, what, the
6: 2006- wow. <laughs> horrible, tacky, con man, a grifter, a vulgarian, all these negative things. But, it, you know, the thing... Let's things- just cut ahead. Position themselves as who meat, bro. So up, we don't take all of retailer. his commentary. And then it's just like you're still taking positions like that. The objectively incorrect position that was proven insane years and years and years ago. All right, more. Yeah, well, he's always known how to be a celebrity, right? Like that that reminded me of the reality t- TV show aspect of Trump, right? He knew he knew. I don't. Yeah, I think you're giving
5: him more. I don't even think it's knowing how to be. I think he's a narcissistic. I, I didn't mean the one thing I didn't know when I wrote in Trump, we trust is how profoundly stupid he is. Um, I made very clear in the book, the only thing he could do, we will forgive him for anything. And I defended him the day after the Access Hollywood, you know, pussy grabbing tape came out. I was giving a speech before like 5,000 people in California up in farmland. And I was peddled to the metal defending him and, and, you know, I said, well, forgive him for anything, but
6: unless you betray us on immigration. Yeah. Oh, and guess what he did?
5: Yeah, well, he's always be...
6: known how to be a celebrity, right? So the main reason why she has turned on Trump is that, in her opinion, Trump betrayed the base on immigration. Fascinating. Fascinating. She wanted a wall built, and she wanted every mile of land at the southern border, um, you know, with the wall.
0: I mean, Apparently she would support the Great Wall of, of Will, wouldn't she? Of
6: the wall or something like that. Like, It'd be interesting little, to have her on. A like, little uh, part of it. And he did have... Remember-
1: Real master of the craft, the stock job. I always kind of respected Coulter more than Limbaugh. Because I always felt like Limbaugh kind of like derailed everywhere. Like, you know, granted he has a show. So it's probably harder to fill Hello, airtime.
0: Hello, three hours.
1: Yeah, so it's harder to fill airtime. But like every it's single
0: time, t- t- it's easy to ramble into rabbit holes. That's why he has an executive producer screaming into him, "Squirgly, S- squirgly!" What was his name? S- Siggly, squirgly.
1: Yeah, but Coulter was. Always- and you know how many times Coulter people were
0: accusing a- him, the squirgly, as a racist, and the squirgly was a black man. <laughs> and squirgly comes out and says, I- "How many of you thought that I was a white guy?" uh Huh. And the big old black guy, you know, uh, they were the best of friends and they worked together for all those years, man. 20 years on the radio. Holy moly. So uh, tell me more about this Kyle Kalinsky guy.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, it's still Women's History Month, so let's get back. I'm going to go back, back to, to focus. And- but he's, uh, he's a really good independent YouTuber, um, newscaster. He reads the stories. He goes through the data. He's real sharp with the rhetoric. Um, he's done several debates. He's really good at debates. Like, he really stands his ground, and he knows his facts, and he can be nice and pithy and shoot people down well. I, I really like the guy. And he, he's, he's pretty interesting that, like, he keeps it authentic as a reporter, that he's, like, a fun personality you want to come back to.
0: What'd you do with all the gadgets I gave you to twirl around? You ran off with them. Yeah. There uh, is, here's a cartoon
1: that I wanted to play you with. Have, you Cold notice
0: Cold. how he officially stole something from him and He goes, uh, uh, mm mm-hmm. You, did you sell them? Did you re them? No, I
1: know where the, the, the fidget spinner is. It's at home.
0: And how about the chain?
1: I have no idea. The chain disappeared on both of us.
0: It had to be you. It didn't disappear on me. I knew that you ran off with it.
1: I And I did to, it for, I, I the, the worst it. thing
0: about it is I gave him something for him well, to fidget. Now, now
1: it's at my place. Now it's at my place. The chain? Yeah. You the know. fidget spinner. The chain, I have no idea.
0: The chain is the one that's the most sophisticated one. It's the one dearest to me. You've, like, stolen my heart. That's the um, one that I brought st- here. You,
1: you've stolen my heart too.
0: Yeah, I was just so, so flabbergasted watching you spin it around because otherwise, so here is a you play with the microphone. he and was gonna so break um, the equipment in here. He he was, he's was like a little kid. Hold on,
1: he, I, I, I want to make a point. Let's get back to the show. The, the people don't want to hear about this. Uh, so this was a cartoon that was made by like African Americans. It was kind of a commentary, and it was called "On the Boondocks." And it started out as a Sunday paper, and they they had Coulter as like a complete grifter. And I thought her character was super How do you,
0: fun. How, how can you be like a, ble- a complete grifter? How do you do that? Joe Biden uh, is not a like a grifter, he is a grifter. A public grafter grifter.
5: Oh, that Don't give me that baby listen shit motherfucker. Oh fuck.
0: <laughs> Be very, 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 very careful. That would be the biggest problem I would have you being alone. You missed no, out.
1: It. but. Because the, know- the, the show went on television and it was all bleeped out. Yeah. So uh-huh. I forgot that it wasn't bleeped.
0: Yeah. That was a three uh, three adjective one. Uh, Did you hit uh, the button? I, I, Slaves
8: produce a surplus which the master gets, serfs produce a surplus which
0: Here's the master gets. Here's a Marxist. What are you putting on, on
8: now? Surplus, where, where are we going?
0: Lex Friedman the broadcast. Simple. These are exploitative
8: class structures. This is Richard Wolff. Because Wolf. one class produces a surplus appropriated, distributed by another group of people, not the ones who produced it, which creates hostility, enmity, envy anger resentment and all of the problems you can lump under the heading class struggle the following
3: is a conversation with richard wolf one of the top marxist economists and philosophers in the world this is a heavy topic in general and for me personally given my family history in the soviet union in russia and in ukraine today the words marxism Socialism and Communism are used to attack and to divide, much more than to understand and to learn. With this podcast, I seek the latter. I believe we need to study the ideas of Karl Marx, as well as their various implementations throughout the 20th and the 21st centuries. And in general, we need to both steal man and to consider seriously the ideas we demonize. And to challenge the ideas we dogmatically accept as true, even when doing so is unpleasant and, at times, dangerous. This is the Lex Friedman Podcast. To support it, please check out our sponsors in the description. And now, dear friends, here's Richard Wolf. Let's start with a basic question, but maybe not so basic after all. What is Marxism? What are the defining characteristics of uh, Marxism as an economic and political theory and ideology?
8: Well, the simplest way to begin a definition would be to say it's the tradition that takes its founding inspiration from the works of uh, Karl Marx. Um, But because these ideas that he put forward spread as fast as they did and as globally as they did, literally it's 140 years since Marx died, and in that time his ideas have become major types of thinking in every country on the earth. Um, If you know much about the great ideas of human history, um, that's an extraordinary spread in an extraordinarily short period of historical time. And what that has meant, that speed of spread and that geographic diversity, is that the Marxian ideas interacted with very different cultural histories, religious histories, and economic conditions. So the end result was that the ideas were interpreted differently in different places at different times. And therefore, Marxism— as a kind of first flush definition, is the totality of all of these very different ways of coming to terms uh, with it. For the first roughly 40, 50 years, um, Marxism was a tradition of thinking critically about capitalism. Marx himself, that's all he really did. He never wrote a book about communism, he never wrote a book really about socialism either. His comments were occasional, fragmentary, dispersed. What he was really interested in was a critical analysis of capitalism. And that's what Marxism was, more or less, in its first 40 or 50 years. Um, the only qualification of what I just said was something that happened in Paris for a few weeks. Uh, in 1871. There was a collapse of the French government, uh, consequent upon losing a war to Bismarck's Germany, and in the result was something called the Paris Commune. The working class of Paris rose up, basically took over the function of running the Parisian economy and the Parisian society. And Marx's people, people influenced by Marx, were very active uh, in that commune, in the leadership of the commune. And Marx wasn't that far away. He was in uh, London. Uh, These things were happening in Paris. You know that's an easy transport even then. And for a short time, very short, Marxism had a different quality. In addition to being a critique of capitalism, it became a theory of how to organize society differently. Before that had only been implicit. Now it became explicit, what is the leadership of the Paris Commune going to do, and why, and in what order, and in other words, governing, organizing a society. But since it only lasted a few weeks, the French army regrouped, uh, and under the leadership of people who were very opposed to Marx, they marched back into Paris, took over, killed a large number of of the communards, as they were called and deported them to islands in the pacific that the that were part of the french empire at the time the really big change happens in russia in 1917 now you have a group of marxists lenin trotsky all the rest who are in this bizarre position to seize a moment once again a war like in france uh disorganizes the government Throws the government into a very bad reputation because it is the government that loses World War I, has to withdraw, as you know, uh, Brest-Litovsk, and all of that, and the government collapses and the army revolts, and in that situation, a very small political party, Russian Social Democratic Workers Party, um, splits under the pressures of all of this. Uh, into the Bolshevik and Menshevik divisions, Lenin, Trotsky, and the others are in the Bolshevik division. And to make a long story short, he's in exile. Uh, his position, uh, Lenin's position, makes him gets him deported because he says Russian workers should not be killing German workers. I mean, this is a war of capitalists who are dividing the world up into colonies, and Russian working people have no. should not kill and should not die for such a thing as you can expect they arrest him and they throw him out interestingly in the united states the the comparable leader at that time of the socialist party here as you know there was no communist party at this point that comes later um the head of the socialist party a very important american figure named eugene victor debs makes exactly the same argument to the, the Americans should not fight in the war. Uh he's independent he has nothing to do with Lenin. I don't even know if they knew of each other, but uh, he does it on his own. He gets arrested and put in jail here in the United States. By the way, he runs for president from jail and does very well. Really very well. It's remarkable. Um and he's the inspiration for Bernie Sanders, if you if you see the the link. Um although he had much more
3: courage politically than than bernie has that's really interesting i'd love to return to that link maybe later yes (laughs) history Uh, rhymes
8: yes the complicated story anyway what the importance in terms of marxism is that now this seizure of power by a group of marxists that is a group of people inspired by marx developing what you might call a russian Uh, Even though there were differences among the Russians too, but a Russian interpretation. This now has to be transformed from a critique of capitalism into a plan, at least, what are you going to do in the Soviet Union? And a lot of this was then trial and error. Marx never laid any of this out. Probably wouldn't have been all that relevant if he had, because it was 50 years earlier in another country, etc. So what begins to happen, and you can see how this happens then more later in China and Cuba and Vietnam and Korea and so on, is that you have kind of a bifurcation. Much of Marxism remains chiefly the critique of capitalism. But another part of it becomes a set, and they differ from one to the other, a set of notions of what an alternative post-capitalist society ought to look like, how it ought to work. And there's lots of disagreement about it, lots of confusion. Um, And I would say that that's still where it is, that you have a tradition now that has these two major wings, critique of capitalism, notion of the alternative, and then a variety of each of those. And that would be the framework in which I would answer That's what Marxism is about. Its basic idea, if you had to have one, is that human society
3: can do better than capitalism, and it ought to try. And then we can start to talk about what we mean by capitalism. Fine. So we'll look at the critique of capitalism on one side, but maybe stepping back, what do you think Marx would say if he just looked at the Different implementations of the ideas of Marxism throughout the 20th century, where his ideas that were implicit were made explicit, um, would uh, would he shake his head? Would he enjoy some of the parts of the implementations? Like, what? Do he, how do you think he would analyze it? Well, he had a great sense of
8: humor. I don't know if you've <laughs> had a chance to take a look at his writing, but. He had an extraordinary sense of humor. So My guess is he would deploy his humor in answering this question, too. He would say some of them are inspiring, some of his interpretations of his work, and he's very pleased with those. Others are horrifying, and he wishes somehow he could erase the connection between those things and the lineage they claim from him, which he would... Uh, there's a German word, I don't know if these lang- If you speak the other languages, no. there's a wonderful German word called verzichte, and it's stronger than the word refuse, it's if if you want to refuse something but with real strong emphasis, so, verzichte darauf is a German way of saying, I, I, I don't want anything to do with that. And he would talk then, you know, in philosophical terms, because remember, he was a student of philosophy. He wrote his doctoral thesis on ancient Greek philosophy and all the rest. He would wax philosophical and say, you know, that that the ideas you put out are a little bit like having a child. You have a lot of influence, but the child is his own or her own person and will find his or her own way. And these ideas, once they're out there, go.
0: I couldn't take it anymore. I really couldn't. There's no way I'm gonna sit and listen to a communist I'm, for Lex for,
1: Friedman's not the best interviewer, I agree.
0: I like uh I like he I like the very I fact like that he, he came out of do. nowhere. He must got some serious backing because I just like that he got Elon Musk so many times. And uh you know, I just like what he's pulled off. It came out of nowhere. I don't know his roots but he's Russian? Yeah, well, he's he told us that in the it, show, but yeah. I'm I'm talking about his financial roots. In other words, who's backing him for him to get these people to come to his podcast? I think it's commendable on his part. Um, I mean, I uh, I can honestly say that I haven't, except for the Elon Musk uh, interviews, and I know there were several that I haven't seen. All the all the Lex Friedman stuff uh, it seems to be worth watching. I mean, he's at 200. 89, just what I see here now. Who knows what his total is? But he's got everybody. Everybody you need to speak to, he's already spoken about. All right, here
1: we go. Wait, what are we playing now? You never tell me. You're like, here we go. And now we're, uh, we're suddenly on another video.
0: No, no, right now we're just going to allow you to talk because I was going to put on woke capitalism since you talked about it. By uh, uh, is there another woman we want to highlight Vivek.
1: for National Women's Day other than Ann Coulter? Is there someone else you want to highlight?
0: No um, You know Being a misogynist And two males Are running this show I think we've done enough For uh, For International Women's Day Is that the right name? Yeah International Women's Day I just commend The women that Insist on being called A woman Because they are women And I hope That women stand up And defend their gender And uh, And not rationalize between- I agree
1: We should believe And respect people's pronouns And what they want To be no. called Guy, I agree Yeah Thank you
0: <laughs> Thank God the majority Of women don't agree With you But they're not speaking up that's my point
1: i mean most people don't care you guys lost the last election on this issue feel yeah. free to do it again
0: yeah yeah feel yeah.
1: free to do it again
0: what uh, speaking of what you believe trump's defeat was one time you said it was his reaction to COVID. yeah and now you're saying it's the alienating No, the of midterms women.
1: these are two different events okay midterms in particular was the obsession over trans people and you could see it with people like Matt Walsh.
0: Well, a lot of women won in his midterm.
1: Women won, but however, what we're talking about, like, okay, that's another thing. That's true. You guys also got retaliated I'm, against because you overturned Roe and Roe no, versus Wade. No, that, no, that, that, that's that's something. Not, that's no, not even Kansas, even Kansas, that's had not vote. the midterm. Yeah, no, but that was a side effect. It hit before the midterm. Come midterms. on, he was already... He was no, but yeah. But you guys had backlash. There was a backlash to that. I don't think you know, so. Yeah, I think it was Kansas even voted straight up to protect it.
0: Uh, I, uh, uh, it's got to go to the states, man. It's just not. And a, the states are saying we a, want to protect this. Some, we wish that this was some, the case. We want men, mo, men like me who, who are pro life, men like me, who've had a child the out most, of, dame, a,
1: the most a, brave position, go on.
0: Yes. <laughs> Defending someone who can't defend himself is a brave position, absolutely. Now, there's not much defense for killing a baby inside because of your own personal circumstances. Don't have sex. Close your legs. Get a contraceptive. Get on condoms. Uh, take the pill.
1: Okay, no. then you will agree to stop the Republican attacks against um, teaching sex ed, right? Because that's vital. If
0: you're going to have, if sex ed is, continues to be taught it has to be taught in a manner that is not pornographic. Yes, I believe that some of it's hyperbole that I'm hearing out there. But the few pictures I've seen, man, that's not that's not sex ed, baby. That's uh, positions, uh, uh, recognizing organisms, how to perpetuate organi- uh, orgasm, encouragement, to
1: perpetuate organisms, yes, that is the purpose of sex. Yeah. To, per, or to perpetuate orgasms organisms. Orgasms and organisms. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, but that's orgasms for but, organisms. Yeah, but kids should learn. No, you know, kids they should, should learn. Of
0: course. Uh, I was, and,
1: and if they learn about it, how to do it absolutely. safely, then they're you know they're going to not take the risks that happen. You know, because kids are still having sex regardless.
0: Regardless. Yes. I I don't have much to say about sex ed, but can have. The transgender stuff, you can't. That, those are my kids. You don't have the right to teach my kids those things. That, that's up to me.
1: I mean, are your kids adults now?
0: In my case, yeah. They're 20 and 30. Then um, what are you worried about? I i turn my... Uh, You're you worried
1: know, about your 20 and 30-year-olds?
0: I'm worried about you, actually. I'm worried about you. I don't think I'm a person who is concerned about me personally. I'm more concerned about you guys. I'm, I have an obligation. My obligation is to do what I believe is right and to pour it on as I know I have to and can. Plus, I have a certain amount of passion and purpose that far exceeds the average folk and aren't very interested. Like, we don't care. I mean, apathy is a great fall of all empires, all counties, all cities, all states, and all governments. at one form or another, Communism takes root in apathetic societies. If we don't fight it, it's coming. It's that serious. It's that bad. I had the president uh, Nasareno. Thank you for being here. Nasareno Echapari was running for president. Not was is. He's a libertarian candidate. He's um, he's up against Millet for about ten or fifteen percent of the pop of the votes. That's about all that he can muster. And he's up against Macri and. Uh, Kirchner, and he already told us in depthly of the Chinese base in the southern portion of Argentina. That's going to bring all the latest and the greatest technologies, and free to the Argentine people. They don't even have to pay it back because it's a Chinese military base. They establish a base on, on Cape Corn like that. Is it? Is the point? I wonder why the
1: Argentinian would want to be friendly to a superpower that's a rival to the United States. What could have possibly happened to yeah, make Kurt- the Argentinians this way? Kirshner is a commie.
0: She got funded by the Chinese, but so does Biden. So what the hell? What point are you making? I'm they, saying that the, the Argentinians all, have a very They've been anti-American. Historic- Most He talked about the anti-Americanism. And again, if you're apathetic and you're brain dead, and you're a society of apathetic and brain-dead, and you don't care, like you say, you will vote poorly. You will vote wrong. 2020 was a perfect example, providing the you're election. You're
1: right, they should have chose Bernie Sanders.
0: Yeah! What's up? Wait a second. That's a drop-the-mic moment. We're 20 minutes to 8, and I want to give you more time. Do I, do I go and... and Get some Bernie Sanders video? No, 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 no. No, no, no.
1: We've already had enough consequences and played so many videos as it is. Um, But, yeah, no, I really... I I, want to really be grateful for Sanders' contribution to politics. Like, it's really... I know a lot of people feel really heartbroken that he never really won the primaries, thanks to certain people who live in, you know, Miami! Miami! Uh, Debbie Waltz from insurance. There are more people
0: unregistered to vote in Miami than there are registered to vote. But a certain delegate? Oh, rigging the election? Yeah, she yeah. rigged them against yeah. him. It's funny how it, you'll accept it being rigged against Bernie, but you won't accept it rigged against Trump. Because
1: there's a certain thing called evidence.
0: No, Bernie didn't contest I
1: bet it. You were talk- I bet you believed Mike Lindell at one point.
0: I don't uh, think I listened to him. I do. but I do I, we I, but have. have we got
1: the cyber ninjas. We we pulled up all sorts of data at my cyber symposium. We've got so much. Hey, data. bro,
0: he's got a new pillow.
1: We we got a lot. All right, I, I've got the new evidence. There's so much evidence. It, it's incredible that I used to be on cocaine. Uh,
0: <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> He's one of those stories. I don't think it helped Trump at all have him in the Rose Garden. But uh, you know that he ran for RNC uh, chairman. And, uh, of course, he was beaten. But why don't we listen to a woke capitalist uh, argument with Vivek, who's running for president. I I, I
1: can talk about that um, because you're going to play a video, most likely by someone who was kind of inspired.
0: Ramaswamy, Vivek is running for president.
1: Okay, who is this?
0: The the author who wrote Woke. Uh (laughs) Stay tuned, my friend. My
7: parents immigrated from India 40 years ago to southwest Ohio where I was born. They weren't rich. I asked my dad why he chose to come to Ohio, and he said it's because his older sister, who also came from India, lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Now that, of course, begged the question of why my aunt had left India all the way to come to Fort Wayne, and we joke around that because it's the only state where the word India is actually contained in the name of the state, Indiana so that's the story we tell anyway. My dad was a company man himself. He was in a GE's Evendale, Ohio plant. He worked there loyally for over 40 years, and my mom was a geriatric psychiatrist who spent most of her career treating patients with Alzheimer's disease in nursing homes in the Ohio area. If I learned one thing during my own upbringing, it was the being the odd man out in a crowd isn't always a bad thing. I went to a pretty rough public school through eighth grade where it wasn't particularly abnormal for a kid to show up to school with a knife. My parents then switched me to a private Jesuit high school, something that actually shaped my own views, even though I'm a Hindu. And when I went on to college and I graduated from Harvard in 2007 in biology, I ended up becoming a biotech investor rather than an academic scientist. I went to law school along the way. I went to Yale. I had an itch to study law and political philosophy, but I decided to keep my job at the fund where I worked. And after I finished law school in 2013, I had a new itch. I had an itch to build something rather than just be a passive investor in biotech. So I left my job to start a biotech company. I started by developing a drug for Alzheimer's disease, a passion that I'd actually picked up from my mother. But ultimately, that drug failed. It was the first drug we developed. That failure hurt, and it chastened me. But it also taught me that hardship isn't the same thing as victimhood. And eventually, the company thankfully went on to develop important medicines for other diseases that helped a lot of patients in the end, one of which was a drug for prostate cancer. I led the company for seven years until I stepped down as CEO this January because I felt even more compelled to help treat a different kind of cancer. It's one that affects the heart of our country. It's not a biological cancer. It's a cultural one. And given the reality of the world that we live in, I wasn't really free to speak about it as the CEO of a high-profile company. So I had to step down so that I could talk about it, not as a CEO, but as a citizen. That new disease, that new infection is spreading across our country like wildfire. It is one that even the best of science is not going to cure. And that new disease is called woke culture. It's the new secular religion in America. And its belief system centers on the idea that your identity is based on your race, your gender, and your sexual orientation, full stop. It posits that America is a systemically racist country. And that if you're black, you're inherently disadvantaged and that if you're white, you're inherently privileged, no matter how much money you have, no matter what your upbringing was. Your race and gender govern who you are and what thoughts you're allowed to have. That's it. Congresswoman Ayanna Pressley summed it up pretty neatly last year, actually, when she unapologetically declared, we don't need any more black faces that don't want to be a black voice. We don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice, end quote. I'm going to guess that I don't fit her description of what counts as a brown voice. Here's the clever part about how this particular virus spreads. If you disagree with any of those claims, then that actually means you're just racist and you don't know it. And the more you resist a woke claim, the more that's seen to validate it. If you say, I'm not racist, that means you are racist. If you say all lives matter, that somehow means that you believe that black lives don't matter. If you capitalize the W in white, or fail to capitalize the B in black, you're racist. And there is no greater damnation in modern America than to be labeled a racist. So between pledging fealty to this new religion and being tarred with the scarlet R, everyday Americans are choosing to bend the knee. The consequences may be existential for America. This has created a new culture of fear in our country. Fear of losing your job, fear of failing a class at school, Fear of becoming a pariah in your own community. And almost every day, somebody new is sacrificed at the altar and excommunicated from civil society for saying the wrong thing. This new culture of fear has completely eroded our culture of free speech in America. A good measure of the health of any democracy, especially American democracy, is the percentage of people who actually feel free to say what they actually think in public. And right now, I am sorry to say that we are doing abysmally on that metric. According to a recent survey conducted by the Cato Institute, over 60% of Americans, an overwhelming majority of this country, says they are afraid of saying what they believe because of the current political climate. That is not America. It is not the country that my, my parents came halfway across the world to join. It is not the country I learned to pledge allegiance to as a kid. We have a new red guard in our country that's reminiscent of the Chinese Cultural Revolution, except instead of adhering to Marxism, the new guiding principle for today's Red Guard is this new form of wokeism. So that's where we are today. In the name of diversity, we've sacrificed true diversity of thought. In the name of democracy, we've sacrificed our most important democratic norms of free speech and open debate. In the name of inclusion, we've created an exclusionary culture where certain views are just not welcome. So how did we get here? How did this new wokeism become so dominant in our country? The story goes back to the 1990s. A new discipline emerged in American academia. It was called critical race theory. It posited that race and other inherited characteristics created these invisible power structures that actually govern our real social relationships. In the 1890s, Karl Marx had posited that the invisible power relationships were based on economic disempowerment. But critical race theory changed that narrative. By the 1990s, critical race theory posited that the real culprit was invisible racial disempowerment. That's when wokeism was born. Now, to be clear, in the 90s, wokeism used to be about challenging the system. And there's something about that which I respect, even if I disagree with it. But today, wokeism is not about challenging the system. Wokeism is the system. So how did this fringe intellectual theory from unknown academics in the 1990s manage to infect our most important social institutions today? That is the question. And in my opinion, the answer actually begins with the 2008 financial crisis. Immediately after the 08 crisis, you'll remember, corporations were the bad guys. The old left used to say that corporate power was bad, and the thing we needed to do was redistribute money from rich people to poor people to help poor people. Agree or not, that was their theory. But the new modern woke left in the post-2008 world had a different theory. They said that the real problem wasn't poverty. It wasn't economic injustice. Rather, it was racial injustice and misogyny and bigotry. Guess what? That presented a -a once-in-a-generation opportunity for Wall Street. They could no longer be the bad guys, but instead could actually become the good guys just by adopting these woke values. Now, remember Occupy Wall Street. That was after 2008. That was a tough pill for Wall Street to swallow. But this wokeism stuff, that was easy. Applaud diversity and inclusion? Put some women on boards? Create an affinity group for analysts of color? You're good to go. Just look at what Goldman Sachs did last year when its CEO declared from, of course, the mountaintops of Davos that Goldman would not take a company public in the United States unless it met Goldman Sachs's standards for board diversity, where, of course, Goldman's the sole arbiter of who counts as diverse. The banks were thrilled to dance to this new woke tune. They were happy to lend both their money And their legitimacy and their credibility to this new woke movement. But they only need one thing in return, just one ask in return woke left, get the new left to leave Wall Street alone. And it worked. Each side won from the trade. Big banks got to use their market power to force these woke values down our throats. And in return, the new left agrees to look the other way when it comes to leaving their market power intact. So, in a nutshell, here's how it worked Wall Street got in bed with a bunch of woke millennials. Together, they birth woke capitalism, and of course, they put Occupy Wall Street up for adoption. You don't even know what that is anymore. That's the Wall Street edition. As it turns out, there's a really similar backroom deal playing out on the other coast, in Silicon Valley as well, and here's the way it works over there. Woke activists demand that big tech censors political views that they don't like, and in return, the left agrees to leave big tech's monopoly power intact, and again, it is working masterfully for both sides that is how this new arranged marriage works. This is not a marriage of love. This is more like mutual prostitution, and it is working. And the net result is the rise of America's newest Leviathan, the woke industrial complex. It is no longer just Wall Street. It is no longer just Silicon Valley. It is the entirety of corporate America as we know it. It's Coca-Cola training its employees on, quote unquote, how to be less white and issuing public statements about voting laws that make it sound more like a super PAC than a soft drink manufacturer. It's United Airlines saying that it's going to apply a quota system based on race and gender to the pilots who are in the cockpit, even if that means throwing out pilot tests as a part of the process. It's Major League Baseball deciding to move this year's All-Star game out of Atlanta. It is Nike donating tens of millions of dollars to Black Lives Matter, a Marxist movement that professes to care about black lives, while it also calls for the decimation of the nuclear family structure. While, by the way, Nike, of course, continues to market $200 sneakers to black kids in the inner city who can't afford to buy books for school. Go figure. Liberals accept it because they love woke causes. Old school Republicans look the other way because their inner conscience tells them That the free market can do no wrong without realizing that the so-called free market that they idealize doesn't actually exist today. So both sides are ultimately blinded to the rise of this new 21st century monster that is far more insidious and far more powerful than anything we have seen in the history of our country. Now, I would love to tell you that it doesn't get any worse than that, but it does. It does get worse. There's a new guest who's shown up on the scene and turned this unholy alliance into a threesome. That's the Communist Party of China. They understand this game more deeply than any of us. There is even a Chinese word for wokeness. Biteswool is the word. It literally refers to woke white people in the United States, and they use it to laugh at us. And even worse, they're using wokeism as a geopolitical tool to erode our standing on the global stage. And if you have any doubt about that, just look at what they're saying. Last year, when European Union leaders pressed Xi Jinping about China's human rights violations, including locking up over 1 million Uyghurs in concentration camps, who, by the way, Apple uses as slave labor to make their iPhones. I bet they don't tell you that. His first response was that Black Lives Matter shows that the United States is no better. Last month, when China's top diplomat came right here to the Alaska summit, in his opening remarks, he falsely asserts that the United States is slaughtering. That is his word, slaughtering black Americans, and that he hopes the United States does better on human rights. That would be laughable if it didn't have such serious consequences. They know that our greatest geopolitical advantage is not our nuclear arsenal. It is our moral standing. But now they're using American capitalism as a weapon to accomplish their own goals by using woke corporations to undermine the United States from within. Take Disney. Just a couple of years ago, said it couldn't film in georgia in the state of georgia if they passed a new anti-abortion statute yet they just filmed mulan last year in the Shenzhen province of china which is literally ground zero the epicenter of the uyghur human rights crisis and they didn't just film there they went further they said we thank the local government they thanked the ccp for allowing them to film there that's disney The NBA, it's even worse. The NBA regularly regularly decries alleged racial injustice here in the United States, yet it does not say a peep as they continue to expand into the Chinese market. It gets worse than that. When Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, once tweeted, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong, LeBron James, one of the most outspoken critics of The Last President, one of the most outspoken supporters of Black Lives Matter, just last week, tweeting a picture of a cop in Columbus, Ohio and saying, hold him accountable. He's the guy who immediately came, of course, to China's public defense. This two-faced behavior of corporations and their celebrity celebrity cronies is not just an accident. It is by design. The CCP is playing us like a Chinese mandolin and it's working and they're doing it by using our own companies against us. And why are these companies doing it? The answer is plain and simple. Money. China restricts market access to any company who criticizes the CCP. And even better than that, it favors market access to China for companies who criticize the United States. It is as simple as that. Companies are simply doing what companies do, whatever allows them to make the most money. Unfortunately, the American people are falling for it. It's worked like a charm, especially for China. So it is now no surprise that they are using that same tactic to deflect accountability for COVID-19 as well, in particular, the origin of this virus. Let's just talk about the name of the virus. The Marburg virus is named after a town in Germany where that virus originated. The Ebola virus is named after a river in Africa where it came from. The Zika virus is named after a forest in Africa where it came from. Countless other examples. Japanese encephalitis virus, I could go on. Even when it comes to COVID-19, you can say the UK strain, you can say the South African strain, You can say the Brazilian strain. You can say the Indian double mutant strain. Any of those are perfectly acceptable. But if you say the Wuhan virus, you are immediately bashed as a racist and a bigot. Ask yourself why. The CCP has successfully weaponized not just the COVID-19 pandemic, but the woke pandemic by using the threat of racism against the United States to evade accountability for its own actions. And worst of all, American corporations are helping them at every step of the way. That is the real Chinese virus that we need to fight. It is a cultural virus that erodes America's greatest competitive advantage by equating American idealism with Chinese nihilism. And when that happens, nihilism wins every time. Thank you, LeBron James. Corporations win. Woke activists win. The Chinese Communist Party wins. The real losers of this game are the American people and American democracy itself. So what's the solution to all of this? In 1980, one of my heroes, Ronald Reagan, correctly identified that the greatest threat to individual liberty and prosperity in this country was big government. But today, that's only half the story. The real threat in America isn't just big government. It is this new hybrid of big government and big business. Look, I am all for cutting taxes and slashing government regulations, but as Abraham Lincoln, a great Republican, said 160 years ago, the dogmas of a quiet past are inadequate to the stormy present. We are going to need new legislative solutions, ones that meet the challenges of 2021, not just the challenges of 1980. This is no longer about just saving capitalism from big government. This is about saving capitalism from itself. In the short run, we're gonna need legislative solutions that stay true to our unabiding belief in the power of private enterprise, yes, but while also recognizing the ways in which our system of private enterprise has been co opted and corrupted by external forces. Take the case of big tech censorship. Conventional wisdom holds that technology companies should be free to regulate what content does and does not show up on their websites because of private companies and the First Amendment conventionally, only protects against big government censorship. Fine. But that actually misses the essence of what's happening in the real world today. The liberal wing of Congress has actually co-opted Silicon Valley through the back door to do what government cannot directly accomplish under the Constitution. If you have any doubt about that, look at what they do in these congressional hearings. Democrats regularly threaten social media companies with regulatory reprisal if they fail to take down so-called hate speech or misinformation and it works. Last year, the day before yet another Democratic congressional grilling, Facebook announces new restrictions on so-called hate speech. And these restrictions became even more stringent after, of course, Democrats took control of the White House and the Senate, in addition to the House of Representatives. It was actually what Connecticut Senator Richard Blumenthal attributed to, in his words, quote, unquote, a shift in the political winds. Those are his words. And he was right. Now, if those congressional threats are the stick, there's also the legislative carrot. That's Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act, which immunizes tech companies from liability for censoring otherwise constitutionally protected speech. So taken together, these actually represent a modern form of crony capitalism, except in reverse. Big government is actually able to turn companies into pawns to engage in otherwise constitutionally prohibited censorship. And personally, I believe that state action under the mantle of private enterprise is still state action. I believe we have to a statutory fix for section 230. We need to fix section 230. And it says that if you benefit from this kind of broad federal immunity, then these tech companies also have to be bound by the same standards as federal government, plain and simple. Federal government cannot dispatch a private company to do what the federal government can't do directly. And when that comes to political censorship, it means abiding by the standards of the First Amendment after all, even if you are a tech company, so long as you benefit from Section 230 immunity. I'm in favor of other legislative fixes that eliminate crony capitalism, and especially this reverse form of crony capitalism and the fundamental unfairness that results from it, especially fundamental unfairness arising from flawed policies in the first place. Let me give you another example. If we live in a world today where private businesses cannot discriminate on the basis of race, sex, or religious belief, then I do not believe those businesses should be able to discriminate on the basis of political belief either. Yet that is exactly what's happening day in and day out in our country today. We could easily solve that problem in a really simple way. Add political belief to the list of protected classes in Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, full stop. Now, of course, there's the libertarian side of my brain, even the libertarian side of my conscience, which says that, look, isn't it wrong to add just another rule to what private businesses can and can't do? Because in a libertarian utopia, the market should solve these problems on its own. I'll tell you how the market could solve the problem. For example, I used to think this way myself. If some businesses discriminated against conservatives, then that should, in theory, create a business opportunity for somebody else to capitalize on. For example, by hiring those same conservatives who are fired by these businesses over here Well, guess what? That creates a market opportunity for the next guy who can just hire those fired conservatives. Sounds sounds great on its face if you're in libertarian utopia. Here's the main problem with that argument. That same logic should apply to discrimination based on race, sex, or religion too. Yet as a society, we now unquestioningly accept those restraints on businesses. Now, Perhaps there's an academic debate to be had somewhere about whether even those restrictions were or are a bad idea, too. But that is truly a moot point today, since nobody, not a Republican, not a Democrat, not even any public libertarians are seriously advocating for the idea that businesses should be able to discriminate based on race or sex or religion. So my view is this. Against that backdrop, if a business can't fire someone because they're black or Muslim, or gay, then a business should not be able to fire someone just because they're an outspoken conservative either. If a social media can't kick you off their platform for being Black, or Muslim, or gay, then they should not be able to deny you service just because you're a hardline Republican or a Democrat, for that matter, either. This is not just an academic debate. It is happening almost every day in this country. If it can happen to the 45th president of the United States, it can happen to anybody. I go through a handful of additional legal solutions in my upcoming book. But in reality, these legal solutions are just to form a symptomatic therapy. What we really need in this country is a cultural cure. The real solution to these problems is actually to gradually rebuild a shared vision of American identity that is so deep and so powerful that it dilutes this wokest nonsense to irrelevance. The answer does not actually begin with the government. It begins with everyday citizens who are willing to speak up and challenge the new woke dogma at school, at work, at home, and in their community. It also means cultivating a shared identity, both in ourselves and in the next generation of Americans, with the revival of civic education that we have long missed in this country, our schools teach our kids to view our history with shame rather than pride. Patriotism is on the decline. Religion has nearly disappeared. What does it even mean to be an American today in the year 2021? I cannot remember a time in my life where we more badly needed an answer to that question. And I personally believe that answering that question is the hardest and most important work we will ever do as Americans. Today, as a people, we are hungry for a cause. We are hungry for a sense of purpose. We are hungry For identity. The absence of a shared cause in America is the black hole at the center of our nation's soul. And when you have a vacuum that runs that deep, bad things start to fill the void. That is part of what makes wokeness so appealing as the new religion of our time. It is the modern version of opioid for our masses. As Americans, our jobs in the coming years is to fill that void with something more meaningful than just wokeness. Americans are hungry for a cause And yet we have forgotten that in America, our country itself can be that cause. We have spent over a decade celebrating our diversity and our differences that we have forgotten all of the ways in which we're actually the same, united by a common set of ideals as a country. Most nations throughout human history were defined on the basis of an ethnicity or a language or religion or a monarch, not America. We were the first and greatest country defined on the basis of a set of ideals that unified a polyglot divided group of people. America was not just a place. It was a shared vision of what that place could be. And a fundamental part of that vision was the American dream. The idea that no matter who your parents were, you can achieve your dreams with hard work, your own commitment, and your own ingenuity. I have lived that dream. We call it the American dream for a reason. It is not a destination that we reach. It is a vision that we aspire to. One that we will always fall short of, but continue to keep pursuing. Anyway, that is part of what it means to have a dream. But over the last decade, something scary happened. We woke up. And once you wake up from a dream, you forget what it was all about. You might remember how it felt. And pretty soon you forget that too. That's the real danger of wokeness. But we still have time to get it right. If the 2010s were about celebrating our demographic diversity, then the 2020s should be about celebrating what binds us together as a people. The American dream. E pluribus unum from many one. The other side might say this is just a load of high-minded drivel because we never lived up to our ideals as a country. And you know what? They have a point. It's true that America isn't perfect. We weren't perfect at our founding. We aren't perfect today I will venture to say we never will be perfect as a country, but more than any nation in human history, America is the pursuit of perfection, the pursuit of a more perfect union, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of liberty, equality, and justice for all. These are the values that won the American revolution. These are the values that reunited us after the civil war. These are the values that won us World War I and World War II and the Cold War. These are the values that still give hope to the free world. And if we embrace these common values, then nobody in the world, not a corporation, not a nation, not a virus is going to defeat us. That is what true American exceptionalism is all about. And that is what we will need to marshal in order to defeat this new cultural epidemic.
0: Thank you.